Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back, everybody, to the Almost Sideways podcast. We are so glad you are joining us. This is episode 179. We're recording this on Sunday, June 19th, 2022 at noon Pacific time. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there, which applies to half of us, uh, because we got the whole crew here today. Uh, I'm your host, Terry Plucknett. We got Todd, we got Zach, and we have Adam uh, for a very special deep dive. Uh, this was one where like he was on for the last deep dive for Minority Report and he was like, hey, hey, is it all right if I if I join you on the main show for that for that deep dive? And then when he heard we were doing Star Wars, he's like, he didn't even ask. He's like, I'm there. I'm on that one. And we didn't really yep. argue that much. So uh, happy Father's Day, Adam. Yeah, thank you. Big Trekkie here. I'm really excited to talk about <laughs> Dumbledore and uh, Gandalf again. It's going to be a great deep dive. Yeah, you're, you're taking all of Zach's one liners. I mean, oh, sorry. I, I wanted to get him out of the way. That's what, what I wanted to do. I was just going to say how there are a lot of shitty fathers in the world of Star Wars. Not a great father's uh, movie. I mean, who's the best father in that movie? I, we can't go with uh, Darth Vader, right? And that... Uncle Uncle Ben is a terrible patriarchal figure. Owen, sorry. Wrong, uh, wrong franchise. That's going to happen <laughs> several times in this episode. Uncle Ben is actually a great father figure. Oh, yeah, of course. He's great. Uncle Owen, <laughs> not so much. They need similar fates, unfortunately. Well, maybe not so, uh, unfortunately. Well, I, I have to show off my my Father's Day gift. I, I'm wearing it today, so you guys can see it. It's a new shirt I got. It says, I speak fluent movie quotes. That's what that says. When your microphone is in the way. It looked like I spank elephants. <laughs> That's what it does. Yeah, I think we have a second. It does. I spank elephants. Put that on the tagline up uh, on the opening. That's... That's not what it says. <laughs> that would be an interesting Father's Day gift, though. So my one of my Father's Day gifts, my daughter wanted to give me it. Like she gave me a bag of candy. She's like, "We're taking these to the movies tonight." I was like, "What are we gonna go see?" She's like, "Raiders of the Lost Ark." So I'm gonna go see Raiders of the Lost Ark tonight at six on the big screen. Oh, it, like awesome. it's on the big screen today. Yeah, up in Gig Harbor. Yeah, it's playing in over there. So I'm like, oh heck yeah, one of my favorites. Never seen it on the big nice. screen before. It's gonna be freaking awesome. So pretty excited. That's awesome. She calls Very him cool. Boring Jones, though. So <laughs> Boring Jones, but she's gonna have to sit through it. She's gonna deal with it. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into what we're uh, what we're drinking, what we're watching, all that fun stuff. So Zach, what are you drinking today? I'm having some some red wine. I did. I wasn't. Uh, I did want to mention that the big news here this week was that Kansas City got the one of the bids to the uh, World Cup in 2026. Oh, now, of yeah. course, for the exotic coastal people in Seattle, like who cares? It probably wasn't even you know what wasn't even on the nightly news. But here they broke into the broadcast, right? And the reason why Kansas City is better than Seattle is when they had the celebrity who gave the, we're excited for FIFA World Cup to come to uh, Kansas City. Who did they get? You, you can probably George, George Brett. No, well, uh, Mahomes. Oh, Mahomes. Uh, right. Um. Who did they get for Seattle? Who did they get to say, we're so excited to have the World Macklemore. Cup? Macklemore. I have no idea. <laughs> Marshawn Lynch. You're never going to get it. Drew Carey. Case settled. Uh, oh, Kansas that's City. That's because he owns the Sounders. Out. 
Oh, okay. owns the MLS team. I was not because I thought Drew Carey was from Cleveland, and I I spent <laughs> 15 minutes of internet research trying to figure out a link. I could not find that link. Yeah, Drew Carey owns the that Seattle was so Sounders. Random. Anyway, to Kansas City, the only non-coastal city to get a a, a World Cup. Yeah, when I heard about Seattle getting in, I was like, man, traffic's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> it already is a nightmare. We <laughs> go up to Seattle every week, every day. Uh... Todd, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking wine also. It's the Gallo family Cabernet Sauvignon from Modesto, California. So California wine, Zach, not not France. There we go. So so did you know Modesto has the uh, has a single A affiliate of the Seattle Mariners? Yeah. They're the Modesto nuts. Modesto is absolute shit. Have you guys ever been there? Awful. <laughs> that is Stockton. <laughs> Avoid at all costs. <laughs> Unless you're going to a nuts game, I guess. Yeah. So, Adam, what are you drinking? So nuts. Uh, I was going to drink some space dust, but then I realized it's Father's Day. Uh, in honor of my father, I'm going to drink some of his favorite whiskey, Maker's Mark. So, there we go. Cheers. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, I thought about doing some space dust too. That would have been good. But I went to the brewery instead. And this is, um, so this is their their sister brewery, Hop Capital, and it is their Haze Apocalypse Hazy IPA. So nice. it's pretty good. Go. It's pretty good. And and on on uh, on the screen while we're while we're recording, Todd and I at least are watching the U.S. Open and seeing what's going on there. So uh, when you yeah. when you listen to this a week from now, you'll be getting live updates of what happened in the U.S. Open. So I've been trying to figure out what Scotty Scheffler's swing looks like for like a year now, and I finally figured out it looks like Ernie Els. Oh, I can see that. I can see that a little bit. I can see a little bit. He's going to win. I don't understand. Again. I don't understand that reference. Todd, did you bet uh, Phil Mickelson at minus three ten to not make the cut? No. Oh, I no. should have. I should have bet that. I've got five dollars on uh, on Rory to win. I, I only bet. I had forty one to one on Hideki Matsuyama, and he's like, I don't know. He's in the top ten. I think I should have just bet him to place or something. I bet Friday night after the cut, and I bet I put five dollars on Rory. That would give me like 27. I forget what the exact odds were. And I put $5 on Bo Hostler. That was my flyer. He was at like plus 4,000. He was only two back. And then he shot a 78 yesterday. So nice. yeah. he, he's not in the running anymore. That's tough. Yeah. I, I thought it was a decent, a decent, you know, decent Nor- one to go for. Normally I hate golf, but I do think there are two extenuating circumstances. One is the infamous live tournament, which I think casts a shadow over all this. But the other is... Those wonderful Boston fans. We got Griff and Murph at the golf course shouting out at Phil, you know, hey, Phil, you're going to take negative or you're going to take 9.5 rebounds for Hawthorne? Wicked smart. I love that. You can hear them on the broadcast, too. NBC is not doing a good job of filtering out some of their salty language. It's, it's pretty great. Well, it'll be interesting in two weeks. The live, the live tour comes to, comes to Portland to play at Pumpkin Ridge. So it'll be interesting what happens, what happens when they're here. All right, let's get back to movies. Uh, let's start with Todd. What do you watch? What did you watch this week? I watched the new Apple TV Plus movie, Cha Cha Real Smooth, directed by oh, Cooper nice. Rafe, and uh, he also is the main character in the movie. He plays Andrew, who's a dude in his twenties who works at a meat stick restaurant, but he's also this like super likable guy who likes to party, and he stumbles upon an opportunity to be a party starter for bar mitzvahs. Essentially, he just is like there to get people excited and dancing and actually party and not, you know, some get just be this boring get together kind of thing. 
And at one of the parties, he he befriends this woman named Domino, played by Dakota Johnson, and her autis- autistic daughter named Lola, played by Vanessa Berghard. And um, his immature life is suddenly like a lot more complicated. Uh, his mother's played by Leslie Mann. Brad Garrett is the stepfather. Evan Asante is his little brother who's always trying to give advice about, you know, how to have success with girls, even though he's only like 11 years old or something. Uh, Cooper Rafe is really talented. I, I haven't seen his first movie, Shit House, which isn't streaming anywhere for some reason. Like, come on, like, that's kind of ridiculous. But he, he reminds me of Jim Cummings in a way and like how he does everything for his movies. He's like a young guy. He's like 25, I think. And uh, he's the writer, director, star, editor of like this big Sundance Audience Award winner. And it, I mean, that, that that's pretty incredible. And I, I don't know where this guy came from. I think he was like endorsed by the Duplass brothers or something, but He's just like inherently likable, but has this like Jake Johnson kind of personality that you just root for him because he's a relatable everyman. Uh, and the movie's just charming at every at every moment. Like it, to me, it's like this year's Palm Springs or something like that. It could be that way in the awards race where it's like everyone's underdog darling that everyone loves. It also sort of reminded me of Igby Goes Down, which is a movie I loved twenty years ago and mm, its nice. tone. Uh, Dakota Johnson's fantastic in this. She's really subtle. It's almost like in a to becoming hypnotic in a way. I think she should have been nominated last year. And but uh, for this, she's great again. Like her relationship with her daughter is genuine, and then bringing Andrew into the picture is, is really precious. Uh, she's coming into her own. But the movie has a massive heart, and it's kind of irresistible to watch. I'm giving it three and a half stars. It's one of the best movies of the year. Wow! Right nice. Wow. Nice. And that one is is easily easily found on Apple TV Plus. And yeah, I'm gonna I wanna do uh I wanna I wanna get to that one. I haven't gotten to it yet. Anybody else seen that one yet? Not yet. I have not. All right. Well cool. Uh we'll have to all uh check in on that one when uh when we do watch it. All right, I'm going to go next. Uh, before I get to my Oscar watch, I just want to mention really quick. Uh, I did watch, uh, I watched a Sundance hit this week too in my Friday double feature at the movies uh, because it actually got a theatrical release, which I'm shocked by. There's a written review of it. It's called Brian and Charles. Um, it, it's just this small quirky comedy about a lonely guy who makes a robot to uh, keep him company. And it's it's really, it's really cool. You should... You should check it out uh, and uh, and read my review for that. It's uh, it's up on uh, it's up on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Uh, but my Oscar watch that I had for this week goes back 10 years. It was a foreign film nominee out of I think I know what it's out of. Yeah, out of Chile. Uh, it is the movie. No. Uh, mm. And it is um, you may not have heard of it, but you've heard of the filmmaker. It's directed by Pablo Lorraine. Oh, and this is nice. the movie that kind of got him his big break that led to this last decade, him making movies like Jackie and Spencer that, uh, that people actually have gotten a chance to watch and, uh, and know a lot about. Uh, so no stars, Gail Garcia Bernal as uh, Renee, who is an ad exec in 1988. This is based on a true story. Uh, and he is uh, recruited to uh, assist, to consult and to help design an ad campaign to overthrow the dictator in Chile. Um, they, this uh, dictator named Augusto Pinochet is uh, the is running the country in this dictatorial fashion, and basically to save face with the rest of the world and to prove it's not a dictatorship, he is forced to hold an uh, a vote, an election, to see if he should be ousted from power or not, or or should he. 
And so a yes vote would be he should remain in power. A no vote should be he should be removed from power and uh, and he should uh, and someone else should be a fair election should be had. And so Gail Garcia Bernal's character is tasked with coming up with the campaign to uh, to get people to vote no. And they're basically uh, both sides, the yes side and the no side, are given 15 minutes of primetime television every night for a month each. So each get so no gets 15 minutes and then the yes gets 15 minutes. And uh, and they kind of go back and forth on this for a month as they decide uh, as the country decides what they want to do with their dictator. Uh, it's a fascinating story. Uh, it's real. It's shot really interestingly. And what we know about Pablo Lorraine is he's not afraid to to make interesting artistic decisions. And where uh, Jackie and Spencer are very refined and glossy, this one looks like it was off of a VHS in 1988. But the entire movie has that aesthetic to it, and it looks like that, which is an interesting choice. But it comes across a little more as just a gimmick a little later on. Um, uh, Gail Garcia Bernal, I mean, he's great in everything, especially when he's able to speak his native tongue. Uh, and uh, and it's it's an interesting movie. Uh, especially kind of with with kind of politics in general as it is, because you've got the the no side is, I mean, the people who are part of this are saying, okay, what happens if we lose? Do we get executed? Uh, our 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 voice has been silenced for so many years. How are we going to be able to speak our our you know speak our minds when uh, speaking our minds has been you know costly to people's lives for so long? Uh, and so it it speaks to political. Uh, political strife, political oppression, um, and uh, and it it's it's an interesting movie. I'm giving it three stars. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. It's worth a watch, um, uh, if for nothing else to see where Pablo Lorraine came from and uh, with especially how far he's gone since. So that's no. Have any of you guys seen this? No, no. <laughs> I did. I did watch it at one point. I don't remember that much about it, but I know I gave it a really lousy grade. Um, I think it was probably just because of how it was shot, but I don't remember exactly. Yeah, it's it's got the 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 box. I mean, it's not widescreen at all, and yeah, it hmm. like I said, it looks like an '80s VHS copy, no matter what what uh what version of it you watch. So, yeah, I know that's on my list to watch because I've you know keep track of all my anniversary lists and blind spots and Oscars, so I know I'll watch it eventually. But sounds interesting, at least. Okay, cool. Adam, you're next. All right. Well, I'm uh, going to another film that has a release on a streaming platform that it was a has a big hit Sundance sequence in it, uh, and that is Father of the Bride, streaming on HBO Max. There we go. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, this is directed by Gary Aller. Zraki, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, but it's like the fourth or fifth film or a, a, you know, adaptation of this material. I'm a huge fan of the 1991 film with Steve Martin, uh, but this one sees Andy Garcia as like kind of the um, the bank, Mr. Banks character, the character where he plays Billy Herrera, and uh, he he's coming to terms with his daughter becoming. Uh, getting getting engaged and becoming married. Also, he's going through some marital troubles uh, with himself, as with himself, and also dealing with this big sprawling Cuban American family. Uh, it takes place in Miami there, and you know I like, like I said, I really enjoyed the first, or actually that's like the second 
uh, rendition of Father the Bride. And I really liked this kind of story. And the setup's pretty, pretty typical of this, this the same, but with some different elements being changed out. Uh, I enjoyed some elements here. Andy Garcia, it's really good to see him, but I don't think he compares to Steve Martin's, um, um, you know, that his performance, a similar character there, uh, really had some, there's some good funny moments, family heartfelt moments there, but overall it's kind of just a, like a two-star film for me. It's, it, it was good to watch that one time and I'm glad it was on a streaming platform where I was able to do so. But if I would have paid money for it, I would have been kind of really disappointed to see, uh, see that on the big screen. Cause it's, it's really just I guess good to be on like the background noise, but it didn't really uh, elevate any of the material. It's kind of just, yep, it's just, this is a movie that looked like it could be just straight to streaming or a DVD or something like that. But um, if you like the the story of the Father of the Bride, which has several, you know, um, can I, there's a word I'm missing, but anyway, there's there's been different takes on this source material. So if you if you like it, it's it's enjoyable enough where you're not going to hate yourself watching it. But it doesn't really elevate any of the material. So overall, I'm just at, at two stars. Didn't hate myself watching it, but I just can't go any higher than that. So, all right, there was a lot of really good or maybe really noteworthy stuff coming to streaming that yeah. came this weekend. Um, yeah. Mm. All right, Zach. Yeah, What'd I mean, I, I could have seen Father of the Bride. I could have seen Cha Cha Real Smooth. I could have seen Brian and Eddie. Bri Brian, Brian and, and Charles. Brian and Charles. I will admit, it's the worst title ever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I watched the trailers for all three of them. I'm like, nah, nah, not really my jam for any of them. Uh, if you want to see a good movie where Andy Garcia is a hilarious father, check out City Island. Uh, that is hmm. an Italian family. Uh, in New York City, I think one of the most underrated movies of the early 2010s. Absolutely hilarious. You can read my review on the Almost Famous website. Uh, shout Almost out. Almost Sideways. Almost Dude. Sideways website. Don't talk about uh, that in wine country. Exactly. Interestingly, I, also, off. I watched a movie from the Southern Cone just like Terry did called The La Cienaga. Uh, I don't want to review it because it was very confusing, but I watched it because <laughs> Maggie Gyllenhaal was inspired by it when she made The Lost Daughter. Anyway, that, but it was a good movie. The movie that I want to review is actually a new movie as well, a 2022 title, and it is called Delicious. 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 It's French, so it, you have to pronounce it <laughs> Delicious. delicious. Uh, and it is a French movie uh, by a director named Eric Besnard, and it is uh, about, it stars Gregory Gadebois, as a guy named Monsterone, it takes place in the 18th century in France. And really, if you want to just sum up this movie, it's about the first restaurant. Uh, it is about this chef. Back in France in this time, you know, food was made for the uh, rich aristocratic classes and chefs were employed by dukes. They weren't meant for the mass populace. And so at the beginning of this movie, by the way, this movie basically has the same plot as Chef, that Jean Favreau movie, except it's just in France in the 17th century. Uh, he get like Chef, uh, you know, he's, a, he's a, a successful chef who gets fired by the duke, not Dustin Hoffman, but some guy with a wig uh and uh he basically has to kind of st set off on his own enterprise and what's radical about his own enterprise is that he's not cooking for these people with wigs and money but he's cooking for the mass populace who come into his restaurant and have a seat and he's accompanied by uh, a lady in the movie her name is louise and she's played by isabelle Carré, and uh she is a former prostitute uh with no real experience and of course women were not expected to have any sort of uh you know 
agency when it came to having a career, but she becomes his apprentice and together they kind of open their first restaurant. Uh, this is a very charming movie. I very much enjoyed it. It has, it's probably not the most historically accurate movie. To me, I got some real um, Shakespeare in Love meets Chocolat vibes, uh, which makes me wonder how this was not a Miramax movie in the late 90s, but it really could have been. And uh, it, it, it's an absolute crowd pleaser. Um, it did make me hungry while I was watching it. I had to stop a couple times to actually eat. But what I like about the movie is that it basically makes the idea of going to a restaurant a fairly uh, novel, almost radical idea. And it really kind of makes you think about how restaurants are, you know, great, uh, great, uh, what's the word, stirring pot? No, pot, pot. Pots of society, Terry, help me. Melting pot, melting, melting pot, pot of, so of society, and uh, I like the message of the movie. It's charming. It's streaming on Amazon. It was free. Um, it's French. It's it's a fun time. I give it a solid three stars. Very enjoyable. Delicious, shall I say? It's a de delicious movie. I give what you a pronunciation of the French words three stars. Thank you. That Merci was... beaucoup. That, that, that was impressive. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, that's what we've been watching. Let's hop into our, our featured review and then into our deep dive. We are spending the rest of our episode in space um, in in the in the sci fi world, uh, if you will. So uh, our featured review is uh, the new Disney Pixar release that just came out this weekend. Lightyear. After a full year of being marooned on this planet. Our first test flight is a go. Let's get everyone home. Good luck, Captain. We're counting on you. Roger that. Uh, I'm going to start off with this one. So Lightyear is directed by Angus McLean. Uh, he is uh, getting his second Pixar uh, movie to be at the helm for. His first one was Finding Dory. He also directed some shorts, going all the way back to his first short being Bernie which is the short that came after Wally, which was, it, it, it's a really good one. Anyways, so Lightyear, it's a spinning off of uh, of the Toy Story character and basically telling his origin story and and uh, and things like that. So they go and they, they go and research or look around on this uncharted planet uh, and uh, get stuck there. And it's uh, Buzz Lightyear's task to try and... Uh, do the experiments and get the fuel crystal so that they can get off while everyone else is kind of living there. And there's some, there's some time warping going on throughout all of it as well. Um, and uh, eventually you get, of course, the evil emperor Zerg shows up and some twists and turns that come along with that. Uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's exactly what you'd expect from a Buzz Lightyear movie. Uh, it's the whole thing starts off by saying in 1995, uh, this boy named Andy got a Buzz Lightyear doll. It was from his favorite movie. This is that movie. And I think that right there says everything that I didn't like about Lightyear. Um, it's a fun movie. It's it's entertaining. I, I was entertained by it. But it it's Pixar going for a kid movie. And and when they do that, is it's when they're at their worst. Uh, I, I, the last blatant time there, they just said, you know what, forget it. We're going to make a movie for kids was cars two. And it was the worst Pixar movie they've ever made. Uh, this isn't that bad, but 
it's it's let's go back to a property that everybody knows and loves and let's make a movie that's designed to be a kid's movie and that's what they said this was a little boy's favorite movie when he was a kid and it doesn't try to be anything more than that it doesn't try to try to pull it anything like that i will say chris evans does a does a really good job uh re- stepping into the buzz lightyear character i think he he works really well you've got a, some other great uh Great voices in there too, like Kiki Palmer and Uzo Aduba and Taika Waititi, James Brolin, Isaiah Whitlock, Bill Hader. Uh, you've got a, a good cast, but it, it's just a fun, simple, silly movie that doesn't really do anything else. And you've come to expect more from a Pixar movie than that. I mean, that you had Turning Red come out earlier this year, where you had you were able to have a movie that appealed to to kids, but also spoke to spoke more about other things um actually turning red probably the least of that in in that sense are they like swinging the other way a little bit here i don't know but it's a it's a fun movie it's a fine movie um but it's not it's not up to pixar standards and it felt like kind of a a a kid movie money grab and so i'm giving it two and a half stars i wish i could have liked it better i wish it would have done more but i mean it's exactly kind of what you'd expect and I did, wasn't really expecting that much from it. And it, it kind of delivered on that. So that's what that's my thought on Lightyear. So we're going to go to Todd next. Todd, where are you at with this one? Uh, well, I mean, I like it more than you. Uh, I, I think the movie desperately needed Tim Allen because I get it, blah, blah. It's not the it's not the toy story. It's the actual character. But I mean, Evans is way too reserved and kind of boring as that character to make him anything other than just like an earnest sci-fi lead. Like he reminded me of Chris Pine in the Star Trek movies, which isn't a compliment. Like it makes no sense why Buzz's toy would have been so arrogant when this character is so spineless. Like he just, I mean, and he doesn't even sound like Buzz's voice box, which isn't Tim Allen either. I don't think, I, I don't know what, what they were thinking with Chris Evans, but it, it didn't work, whatever they did. But that's, the, I mean, that's the biggest problem with the movie, but the story is kind of weird. Like it, it is like a sort of throwback sci-fi action movie there are a lot of parallels to top gun maverick like right down to when he like steals the ship and is like trying to accomplish the mission against orders like i was like am i watching this same movie um the, the supporting characters are all fun like socks is amazing the, the old lady oh, from yeah, orange is the new black i mean she's really funny taika Titi is doing his thing uh, there are endless references to and easter eggs like uh, star wars is clearly referenced in there like socks is essentially r2 unit with that while speaking um it, it is sort of a prototype for pixar movies though like in, including toy story movies like they pixar loves movies where their characters are getting <laughs> stranded somewhere the only difference is that these characters are actually humans or instead of creatures or animals or inanimate objects which maybe takes a little bit away from the the stakes for some reason i'm not really sure why that should be the opposite there are also strange parallels to movies that came out since 1995 like interstellar and most uh like clearly ad astra which is like especially then the narrative arc we get with zerg but that the laziest criticism i've heard is like the fact that like those kind of things take away from this movie because like oh this movie took place in 1995 these movies weren't out yet like that that's just dumb like critics are a parody of themselves and they can eat shit um like that's how you really feel <laughs> that that's that's like the new quote of almost sideways right there <laughs> I, I think that's it, where the we're animation, reviewing a movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> The animation looks amazing, and the movie absolutely flies by. Like, I mean, it is a remarkably short 100 minutes. It barely felt over 40 minutes. Like, I think it was almost over, and I was like, I thought it was just like hitting the second act. It never really settles into anything. It just, it just flows. And 
What's weird is that this movie feels like it should have been a Disney Plus spinoff series, the way the Star Wars side projects are. And I think it, you could have a lot of, uh, you would hit, hit a lot of traffic if you were if you were going to do it that way. But I'm glad I was able to see this on the big screen because it looked amazing. It just, I mean, it just, I mean, it's not Toy Story, but it isn't really trying to be. I'm giving it three stars, kind of a low three stars, but I'm I'm okay with it. So I, I will say the the one you didn't mention. I mean, the entire setup to the movie is Alien. Like the first five minutes, it like ripped off Alien's script. Um. So so there there's that that to it too. True. And then uh, there was something else I was going to say to that. Oh, something I think that's interesting is this is the first. I think you were kind of alluding to this first Pixar movie to be in theaters since onward, since before COVID. And I find it interesting yeah. that this is the one they lead with. I mean, it, I, it's because it's a big action spectacle. It's not right. something that you would think you would watch on your TV, but then, but then it kind of feels like it should have been a TV series. So I don't, I don't know. It, it is sort of this hybrid thing. It's not exactly the planes movies or something, but yeah, you know, Adam, how are you with Lightyear? All right, so one th- one thing I want to, uh, we're talking about the box office for this movie, uh, kind of too, but it, it didn't. It said, "Oh, it flopped so hard," but at the same time, as Disney kind of got parents accustomed that all these movies are streaming on Disney Plus now, and then all of a sudden they're going to throw this one up there, so that could have something. And then also just people getting like these controversies, the Tim Allen not being cast or the the, the gay kiss on there too. People like critic criticizing this. It's 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 a good it's a fun movie you know i I, i'm not the biggest fan of turning red i think i gave that two and a half a high two and a half stars but uh for me i think this movie had a lot of fun with it obviously it's taking place in that universe where it's it's the movie that andy really loved and uh, i i i thought chris evans did bring something unique and different than the previous two um iterations of voice actors brought to Buzz Lightyear from Tim Allen and Peter Warburton. Uh, I think that they each version that of Buzz Lightyear that's come out since the first one has brought something new and unique. I, I agree with Todd's criticism about that. It, it's kind of dull in, in a sense where Chris, uh, I think Evans could have brought a little bit more to it. And that's actually a really good comparison where his Buzz's voice box is more arrogant than you know, um, the actual character on the movie that supposedly spawned these toys. Uh, I, I I liked the uh, Zerg when before the something that happened with that. I, I really thought that was cool. It, it kind of maybe ruined Toy Story 2's like reveal in that one. However, I, 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 I enjoyed myself with it. I, I my wife's not even a big Toy Story fan, but it, we we both really kind of had fun watching this film. I'm at three stars as well. It kind of falls in between, like numbers. I've only seen like 32 movies, but it falls at like number, but like 18 between Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers and Death of the Nile. Kind of a low three star film for me. Uh, but again, I, I the biggest criticism though is that in 1995, Andy's favorite toy would not have been Buzz Lightyear. It would have been socks. If he really loved that movie so much, he would have been a bigger fan of socks than Buzz that is Lightyear. a valid point. That's a valid so, point. So, and and we mentioned box office. It lost the box office this week. It made fifty one million. Jurassic World made fifty nine. I don't know how that movie made so much money second weekend, but it did. I, I told you it would, Terry. You're I like, know that yeah. movie's gonna tank next week. Yeah, no, it won the. Box I mean, that still isn't. That still is a pretty not, far not good, fall. But... I mean, it, it it dropped like a hundred million from from its first weekend. Top Gun, by the way. 
third place at 44 million, still dropping less than half each time. Each well, see, this is like I think we all know Lightyear is not a good movie to release on Father's Day because every all the fathers are going to go see Jurassic World and Top Gun. Not that's a good point too. Not, not take their kids to movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, Zach, are you with me? or Are you with them? I really kind of hated this movie. Uh, I have to be <laughs> yes. honest. Uh, first of all, the experience of seeing it in a theater, very unpleasant. Uh, you know, I was getting some child molester looks from the moms and the grandmas. Like, what is this guy doing in a theater by himself? Why couldn't they have just released this streaming? I mean, it would have made the experience. I know it's a, I know it's a me problem, but I come on. I, I, let, let's just make it a little bit more comfortable to watch. Uh, I'm not surprised this movie bombed at the box office. The kids watching it in the theater, I, I was at, were... were pretty bored i i believe a group of them left midway through the movie i don't know maybe that was just an extended bathroom break uh you guys absolutely are right when we're talking about derivative plot i mean come on this is just churned out of the disney kind of factory factory assembly line of buck rogers type heroism every single science fiction movie is contained in here but it's not self-referential it's just because the the screenplay is unoriginal uh it, it, i didn't even make the ad astra connection but todd is absolutely right about that but yeah interstellar for sure uh alien for sure star wars for sure uh i'm surprised you guys didn't mention up there is a shameless sequence in this movie that replicates the opening 20 minutes of up with one of the main characters and yeah. that i mean that was like what are you what are you doing here you know um this does not add anything to the universe of uh toy story i feel like the title card at the beginning is something that was retroactively added to justify the fact that this movie is kind of crap and has no real connection to the toy story universe whatsoever where is the humor in this movie this movie is dreadfully unfunny it's dreadfully unclever you know you look at uh, the world of andy's room the world of toy story Toy Story 4, that antique shop, is remarkably detailed. You know, um, the park. There's nothing detailed in this movie. It's really bland. It's uh, it's creatively bankrupt. Uh, Taika Watiti. Yeah, Todd says he's doing his thing. What thing is that? Uh, there's nothing <laughs> funny or interesting about his character. He has a pen. I think that's about it. I think that's the most distinctive thing about uh, about his character. It's sort of him, though. I, I you know, it's kind of going it's the for same like as a rock guy from Thor. It's going I mean, it's for a very similar character. Well, it's 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 kind of going for like a Guardians of the Galaxy vibe, and it's trying to be smart and funny, and it just doesn't achieve any of those things. I like the representation. I like that for once we get some, uh, you know, non uh, uh, straight, uh, non white characters in it, and I do think you could read this movie as as a bit of a, a treatise on Buzz learning to not be a white savior. I, I wish the movie would lean into that a little bit more. But uh, man, this was, I thought, a slow. Todd said it went fast. This movie went really slow for me. It was a slog at 100 minutes. I know I'm not the target demographic for it, but uh, you know, the best thing I've given thumbs up to Pixar. I love Turning Red. Turning Red to me was so much more imaginative and different. It was a world I had not seen, um, but felt lived in and felt authentic and intimate. This movie just, I don't think it adds anything. It's kind of the shameless merchandising that should have been on Disney Plus. It's a shameless spinoff that we're not even going to really consider canon. I have a hard time really bashing animated movies because I think there's a lot of people that work super hard on this. And I know I just trashed the, the bland visual style, but I'm giving it a very, very generous two stars because uh, I, I think this might be the bottom of the barrel for me for, for, for Pixar. I, I, I mean, I haven't seen all the Pixar movies, but this was just uh, not a fun time at all to watch. And I, I feel bad for the animators. Why, you know, why don't, why, maybe, maybe, maybe the Woody spinoff could be a little bit more clever. Let's just, when, in the, the Woody spinoff in 2024. Well, you said it wasn't funny. Like, I, 
at no point on IMDb's uh, genre description does it say comedy, which it, it actually does say drama. I don't think this is supposed to be funny, which I mean, I which I've heard that well, compared with criticism to where it's like, oh, yeah, like I, I didn't I only laughed at socks and that's it. I'm like, it's, yeah, it's not a, it's it's not a comedy. Pixar, though, there's a certain level of that you expect. I know, but most of their almost every I think every Pixar movie has comedy written as a genre, but it's not this is not a comedy. This is an action movie that you would have loved when you were like, you know, that's like saying Star Wars is a comedy or it should have been a comedy because I loved it when I was seven, you know. But Star Wars has Star Wars has charm. Star Wars has imagination. Star Wars has unique characters like this movie doesn't it's it's so stock. You know, it, I it, it didn't. If you were keep... a kid, you probably would have loved it. If this was an, a live action movie well, that, in nineteen ninety five, that's the criticism. Is that would Andy have seriously loved this? Yes, movie? of course I he would have. Don't think Andy would have made it through forty five minutes of it. But you know, far be it for me. I, I I don't know. I what I would have liked to see in this is is I, I think part of my criticism was I said that they were playing into the the opening title card a little too much. I think they could have played into that a little more. Um, because this isn't a mid '90s cartoon action animated movie. This is a 2022 cartoon animated action movie. If they had made it and like leaned this into this is the a live that, action movie in 1995. That's the point. But, but this is not they, a cartoon in 1995. It, but if they had played into that a little, it's not even that though. If they had played into like let's make this as mid '90s as possible and have fun with that and and play around with that, I think it could have been a kind of this cool little little like niche i almost like you know i was talking about no earlier filming in that specific way it could have done something like that to make it feel like the time that all the people who grew up with with toy story would have been like okay this feels like my childhood again instead of just saying we're making a kids movie i don't know I just feel like this movie wasn't necessary. If you want to make a story out of this, maybe make it out of Izzy Hawthorne. By the way, I like how the character last names are named after Portland streets. Did you notice that, Terry Burnside and Hawthorne? <laughs> anyway, uh, Izzy's the most interesting character in the movie. She Morrison. has an interesting. Yeah, more... yeah. There we go. Uh, she has an interesting arc. She has a steel. They're named uh, after the bridges. Uh, she has a unique backstory, and I think her <laughs> her vocal performance is really good. Um, and. Uh, yeah, make make the movie about her. I, I don't I don't know why this had to be a buzz movie. I don't know why it had to have any sort of connection to the the Toy Story universe. And I agree that we're kind of front loading this with high expectations because we're all fans of Toy Story on here. But let's be honest, everybody is. I mean, it's 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 the marquee uh, story in the Pixar universe. So I don't know. Up your game a little bit, Pixar. Up your game, Ang Angus McLaughlin or. Whoever was the director, McLean. McLean. He, this guy—he's a Pixar lifer. Like he—he—he he, he did the Toy Story of Terror, and he did the like he did another Toy Story short film. I don't know. I, I think it's well directed. I think it has the heart that uh, Pixar movies have. It's just it just doesn't have the uh, the overall uh, meaning that uh, other that all the other Pixar movies have. Basically, other than maybe Onward, it's kind of on that that level. It is lower tier Pixar for sure, but I mean, I don't think it's bad. Yeah, I have it like between like Finding Dory and Cars Three. Like that's kind of like the, the range, just lower tier for me. But it's like, but yeah, this, this is one of fun. only like two or three Pixar movies I've given thumbs down to. This is the first time that they've done just like a straight 
like genre movie with with nothing else involved other since the Incredibles movies, which I don't like either of them, but I know those are some of the most popular, so I don't understand why this movie is is not making the same waves because it's way better than the Incredibles movies. Well, I, I'm really glad you didn't make me start, Terry, because I, I don't remember this movie a lot, and I saw it yesterday, and that's a problem. <laughs> now, maybe it's a problem with me, but I honestly, I don't think I could tell you the plot of this movie. Did you fall asleep? No, actually, I didn't. I was hoping to fall asleep. So that's, that's why. Ah. I know. I mean, it was the same problem with Jurassic Park. When I want to fall asleep, I never can. I will say, I will say, um, uh, just to stand up for Chris Evans a little bit. Chris Evans actually made this made Buzz feel like a human instead of a cartoon character. So I, that's one thing uh, I'll say. I'll say for his performance there, I thought he did fine. You don't think Tim Allen in Galaxy Quest was a human? I mean, like. He, he, <laughs> I mean, this is that. This is that era. I mean, I, Tim Allen would have made this movie so much better. I mean, and just by hearing that voice, because he is so animated with his voice. Chris Evans is not. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine who thought this was a good idea other than the fact that he's Captain America. I, I would have been cool with Peter Warburton coming back too. Patrick like, Warburton. Putty Patrick, whatever, whatever. Patrick Warburton. Yeah, uh, from Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. That would I would have been, been okay fun. with Arlie Ermey. Now we're talking. Is he alive? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Never a good good sign when you have to. No, he's not alive. Research that. All right. Well, we've got we've got three stars from Todd and Adam. We've got two and a half from me. We've got two from Zach. It's in theaters. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, it'll it'll be there for a while, so you can check it out. And that's Lightyear. Let's get into uh, the main topic of the day, which is since we we're reviewing uh, Lightyear, going to infinity and beyond. Uh, we decided, well, it was my choice, so I decided that we were going to take this opportunity to uh, to deep dive into the 45th anniversary of Star Wars. Forty-five years ago, the first Star Wars movie came out, uh, and so we're we're going from to infinity and beyond to a galaxy far far away and uh this is gonna be a lot of fun uh i'm excited to go through some of the stuff uh that we always go through with our deep dives here and we're gonna start as we always do with trivia which i believe zach came up with um which should be interesting because zach uh i I don't think you said it on air yet but you said it before we got on air that uh you you don't know star wars that well i know i don't uh, and I think we have a wide variety of people on this show who know it well. So writing questions for it is hard, but uh, I think we'll do it Adam style, which is uh, taking out a piece of paper and, you know, doing it all at once or else it's going to take forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I have 11, maybe 12 questions. I don't know. We'll see if I feel like asking some of them. Uh, not an easy movie to write questions for, I, I let me tell you. Um Okay, so the first question, actually, this is not a real question. It's who shot first, but you don't need to write that because we all know that Han shot first. <laughs> yes. So uh, that's a, everyone gets a point just for that. Uh, okay, Yay. so uh, the first real question is, where does Luke whine about going to instead of cleaning oh. up the droids? And, and this will give us a good sense of how serious we are about uh, uh, this, this trivia based on your responses here. Okay, so are we ready? Three, two, one. Let's see what we got. I got but I was going to go to Tashi Station Tashi for power Station. converters. Pick up power converters. Oh, so yeah, points for 
Terry, a point for Adam, but no point for Todd. I think that maybe, be... maybe maybe says a lot. I think it does. I think it does. Like I watched it like five days ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I didn't even language... have to watch it. I just kind of knew it. What language does Aunt Beru remind Luke to get a robot fluent in? Okay. Let's let's see what we've got. I spelled uh, it wrong. I said bocce. Bocce. I think you both spelled it wrong, but I will both give you points. Uh, Somebody watched the first ten minutes of the movie. I definitely was awake for that part. Make sure he can speak bocce. Uh, okay. What is the only... Todd may get this one. What is the only film, the only Star Wars film that C-3PO and R2-D2 do not appear? Are we talking like the, like, just the, the, the main nine episodes? Uh, the only Star Wars... Okay, okay, okay. ...film. Well... If it has the name Star Wars on it, and it's not the holiday special, because I think they were in that. Uh, it counts. All right. Do we have our guesses? Let's let's show what we got. Terry says Rogue One. Adam solo. is giving two answers. He's going with Solo, and Todd's going with Solo. The correct answer is Solo. Oh. So Todd oh, is on the board. Oh, I knew that. Oh, yeah, Rogue One. They show up at the very end, don't they? Yeah, they do, because they replay that they redo the last scene, or the first scene of this one. They redo his last scene to that one, yeah. Okay, uh, the Millennium Falcon is the, sh the the ship that did what? Now, I I, I will be I will be uh, open to giving interesting interpretive answers, possibly some points for this one. Uh, okay, hopefully you're up for some interesting spellings. Yes. Oh, well, of course. Okay, are we ready? Let's see. We've got. I don't even know what you're asking. Uh. Kessel Run in 12, 12 parsecs. 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 That yeah. is correct from both Terry and Adam. And a zero for Todd. Okay. We know where you gotta be going. more specific than that. No, How is don't. that not specific? Never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Made the Kessel 12, Run in less than 12 parsecs. Yeah, yeah um, but you said what what did you what did what? it like what it did what? Yeah, I mean you could yeah. say a lot of things. Like you could say oh, that's why I said I was open to interesting answers. I know, but that's not a question. A, if you had said it was a pile of garbage, I would have probably given you a half point. Um okay. A piece Next, of junk, by the way. Piece of junk, exactly. Excuse me. How much will Han get paid to fly to Alderaan? And I feel like that that's too easy of a question. Well, maybe not. Okay, are we ready? Five, four, oh, three. Two, one. Okay, let's see. Todd says seventeen thousand. Terry says seventeen thousand. Adam says seventeen thousand. Ten thousand now. Two thousand when they are, uh, or two, uh, five thousand. That's they just are. wrong. That's wrong. It's two thousand yeah, now. Fifteen when we get there. Yeah, when he that's wanted. Well, that's what I meant. He wanted fifteen. <laughs> that's, or something. that's what you meant. Still, Sev still says seventeen. Seventeen thousand is correct. Yeah. How okay, does Leia know Obi-Wan? A.K.A. Ben. Five, four, three, two, one. Let's see some answers. This should be interesting, too. Terry says, father fought with him in Clone Wars. Adam, he helped, helped her, her father, father in the Clone, in Clone Wars. Wars. Colleague of her father. Uh, I don't know. Should we give Todd a full point for that or half point? Uh, half point. Okay, I'm gonna go what? half point. Come on, I, 
How, how are these how are these questions asking for a full sentence as an answer? I think you're gonna need some help, Todd. So I I, I don't know. And so uh, you oh, give me a half point. Thanks. Thanks. Give him the that. full point. Okay, fine. I'll give him the full point. Just there's a the Todd. There's a Todd for... question coming up. Don't worry. All right. Um, next question. That means, Where... that means there's gonna be something involving numbers. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yes, numbers on jerseys. Where does Leia tell Vader and Tarkin that the Rebellion's base is located? And if I had not seen this movie less than 24 hours ago, I would have never known the answer to any of these questions, just just to be fair. I have no idea how it actually is spelled. I just know how to say it. Five, four, three, two, one. Let's see some answers. Okay, Terry says... Down to ween. Down to ween. Yeah, Adam no, says Don that's Tween. not what I said. And that is not what Todd says. Don Tween is the right answer. Dan, Dan Tween, Terry. Dan I Tween. nearly knew that. <laughs> no, it's down. It's, it's like it's, down it's Tween. Tween. It's down, down Tween. Tween. Dan Tween. Dan uh, Tween. All right. How come no one worries about upsetting a droid? Five, four, three, two, one. Let's see your answers. Terry says they can't rip your arm out of socket, socket when they lose. When they lose, yeah. droids aren't known for aren't known for pulling arms out of arm sockets. sockets. That's correct. And you just like took thought. random quotes from the movie and <laughs> made them exactly what you said you hate doing, which is listen. It's a hard movie. There's no movie marquees behind them at any point, so I had to get creative. Okay, three more questions. What cell block did Chewbacca get transported out of? Okay, five, four, three, two, one. one. Let's see your answers. So Terry says four, four, one, seven. Adam says two, one, eight, seven. Todd says six. I like Todd's guess the best, but no, <laughs> it's one, one, three, eight. Which I thought was oh. interesting because George Lucas's movie prior to Star Wars was THX one one three eight, so it wasn't a totally random number. It had some significance was... in the George Lucas uh, I, universe. I wrote down two one eight seven first, and then crossed it out, which is really uh, I, funny. I thought that was Princess Leia's cell block number. Damn it! Okay, uh, what is Luke's call sign? Oh, that's. Adam seems like he knows it. I say this your, all the probably time. your call sign too, Adam. <laughs> yeah, I say this all the time when somebody says standing by. <laughs> five, four, three, two, one. Red five standing by. Red five, red five. Todd says red leader. I'll give him a half point for that. <laughs> Even though he's definitely not the leader. Okay. Looking good, Adam. Looking good. So last question. This is where it could get I interesting. Am good. <laughs> Last finally, good. what's Last the score? Time. Okay, uh, the score is Adam has nine, Terry has eight, Todd has three and a half. But this is where things could get interesting. Oh, God. Star Wars won seven Academy Awards. So this question is worth to, up to seven oh, points. God. Name the oh, seven Academy God. Awards that Star Wars won in 1977. Okay, five, four, damn it, three. Two, one. Okay, here we go. So I'm bringing. So Terry says yeah. four, 
which is correct. Visual effects. Uh, I forgot score. I'm an idiot. Uh, visual effects is correct. Uh, oh, I missed some other ones. Is correct. Art direction is correct. Uh, makeup is not correct. Costumes is correct. Cinematography and is cinematography last is not correct. Yeah, Adam said score correct. Sound is correct. Yeah, effect sound. Um, I'll give it. I'll give you effects. That's fine. And I said and then, art direction. Uh, art direction is correct as well. So, so, and then okay, here we go. Here's the big one. All right, visual effects, sound editing, special Oscar. Todd is correct. Oh, nice. uh, sound is correct. Cinematography is not correct. I don't know what one cinematography did here. That would have been a good question. Editing is correct. Probably Close Encounters. Yeah, probably. Art direction is correct. And then what's the one at the bottom? Oh, that I crossed out makeup. I was going to write something, but then I didn't. I forgot the score. I'm an idiot. Yeah, so the Oscars at one were art direction, costume, sound, editing, visual effects, score, and then a special award. So uh let me see so adding up the scores terry and adam are tied oh which means we go to a bonus question which as you know when i ask trivia is where does star wars rank on my 1977 best of list how how long is the list how Not long, long is the list by the way cinematography was close encounters okay it was not even nominated for cinematography as wow. Matt Damon says in The Departed, it's a list longer than my, well, you know. Uh, the list is 16 films. Are we writing this down? No. Uh, well, how, 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 uh, what was their score and what was my score? Uh, I had to write down. Uh, that's asking a lot. Uh, 13, I think I got to like nine. 13, and you got to uh, eight and a half. Okay, okay so. so uh, yeah. Just or, write down a number between 1 and 16. All right, Terry, your number is 11. Uh, Adam's number is 8. The correct answer is 4. And Adam is the winner. Congratulations, Adam. Wow, it's the first time I won trivia. Wow, I'm a, what a freaking nerd. It's a great moment. Okay. It's like <laughs> the end scene of Star Wars where everyone gets a, a medal except for Chewie. Like, you know, Todd doesn't get a medal because he didn't <laughs> So is, uh, is he the walking carpet of our podcast today? Pretty yes. much. Pretty much. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, let's talk about Star Wars. So, yeah, Star Wars, the uh, the iconic film that follows Luke and Leia and Han and Chewie. And as they go up against the Empire and the as as uh, agents of the rebellion. Um yeah, it, it's it's such an interesting movie. I I watched this yesterday, and um, I it took a while for me to actually get into Star Wars. Todd, I don't remember when we finally started watching Star Wars, but I feel like not the we Ron Fields. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. But like, I feel like I was like twelve when I first watched a Star Wars movie, which I feel is fairly late in life. Our our parents are not necessarily what you would call sci-fi fans, but um. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's a movie that even watching it now, it for a 1977 movie, it holds up remarkably well and feels very very modern and current. Um, Todd talked about how light your flu. I mean, this is a two hour and four minute movie. I would have never guessed it was over two hours. I would have guessed it was around an hour forty, hour thirty five, because this movie flies. 
because there's always stuff going on. It never feels like it like it slows down at any point. It 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 just it progresses so quickly that yeah, I was shocked to know that it was over two hours. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's iconic for a reason. I mean, so many things since then have stolen from it, like Lightyear. Um, and, uh, it, it redefined an entire genre of movie and you could almost say it created the franchise. Um, even though it wasn't, you wouldn't necessarily say it was a franchise until everything started to get out of control in the last like 20 to 25 years. Um, but it, uh, standing alone as the original trilogy, I mean, it, it, it kind of started this whole idea of of having having marketability around a, a, a set of characters like that in a movie. I mean, it's not, it, it, it kind of ex- expanded on the whole idea of a blockbuster that Jaws created just a few years earlier. So uh, I, it, it is, it's a remarkable movie. It's an amazing movie. It was such a forward thinking movie. I mean, the amount of stuff George Lucas plants in here that pays off later on in other films in this whole thing is insane. So that, that's a, that's my experience with uh, with with Star Wars, Adam. I, you're the biggest Star Wars fan of any of us here. Uh, when did you start watching Star Wars? Uh, 1995. So I, I was five years old. Five, five, yeah, five years old. And uh, no, no, it'll be six years old. Sorry, six years old. And I got a VHS VHS set for my birthday, and immediately just fell in love from then on out. Uh, the VHS had opening conversations with Leonard Malton and George Lucas at the beginning of them. And I would get my, my very first action figure from uh, star Wars was Han Solo in his stormtrooper outfit. I got it out of the box of fruit loops. And when I got more and more star Wars characters over the years, which I still own, uh, I would reenact the movies, watch, watch the movies and reenact with the characters that I had. I, uh, even in high school, my friend and I were really into star Wars. We actually made a star Wars movie episode seven, the dark rival. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. Can we it's, review uh, that? If I actually I, I have it. If I can uh, somehow, we, maybe we do it like a live like commentary. A, over like a, did you do a review of it? Like most, yeah, I read it on Reddit Brown podcast, right? Yeah, we. I also we, Adam I showed. Live. Yeah, Adam Bailey live. <laughs> we did footage of that. One of the the stuff that I did. I actually we did a Star Wars canon, month. That's the real question. It's definitely not canon. <laughs> we, we, we took we took characters, bits and pieces, a lot of uh, a lot of same sets. Uh, yeah, not it, it was the, the, we spent five bucks making it, but everything it was just a fun time, like having our nerdiness play out. It was it was fun. It definitely was a big influence, and like I, I've so shared this story before. I got sick in high school one time, and I really didn't wasn't a fan of Empire Strikes Back, but I that's one of my favorite movies of all time, and New Hope is also my like top. 40-ish top 35 films of all time roughly around there and it's watching it again was just it's just a lot of fun and i just bummed out that my daughter is doesn't appreciate it as much as i do <laughs> at this age but she, she she watched it air quotes but but anyway it's it's just been one of those big influential films in my life where from the games to the toys to every kind of thing that's can all, always been there so 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 looking here it's our it's our number two of 1977 on our website. Number 18 of all time. Um, it's number one on my list, four on Zach's, as he said. Number one on Todd's and number two of 77 on Adam's list. What's number one of 77, dude? Wait a second, what? It says it's number two. Behind Andy Hall. 
the last the last no, that's, uh, I need to update that. Obviously yeah, that was up before. That, Wait, so Annie, Annie Hall is our number one of nineteen seventy seven? Annie Hall is our number one of nineteen seventy seven right now. Yeah. No, Star Wars is my back. number one of that year. It goes well, Annie Hall, Star on, uh, Wars, yeah. Three Women, Close Encounters, and then Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, I at this point I would put three women above Annie Hall. I would flip flop that on my seventy. I'm looking at that page right now too. Oh, okay. You'd put three women number one, Annie Hall number two. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, Star Wars is by far my number one. Yeah. Well, Zach, you're the one with the least amount of experience with Star Wars, so so tell us uh, what experience you do have. Uh, I did not really grow up watching this movie. I mean, I remember uh, you say you're you say that Terry Terry Senior and Karen are not sci-fi fans. My family absolutely is even worse. Uh, we rented it from Flicks and Picks. We got the the uh, the VHS copy, and then uh, we were like, "What what the hell is with episode four? Did we rent the wrong one?" My dad called the video store, and I'm I would have I would have killed <laughs> to be a, a part of that conversation now. <laughs> we got the right one, episode four, huh? Did you did you pull one on us? Uh, yeah, uh, I will say though, um, I do remember watching this in theaters in, in the 1997 re-release in anticipation oh, nice. of oh, yeah. everybody's yeah. favorite Star Wars entry, The Phantom Menace. And I have to say, I feel a little like uh, about this movie. I feel similar to the way that Tarantino talks about The Matrix. You know, he says that of the movies that have been that have been made during his time as a director, The Matrix. I think he says this is number two. It could have been his number one. The reason it's not his number one is because the sequels were so bad that they actually left a, a bad taste in his mouth. And I yeah. cannot help but feel the same way about the original Star Wars, which is that as a self-contained um, single movie, it is a very good movie. I have it number four on my 77 list. I gave it four stars. I, I, I do really like the movie a lot, although admittedly I, I'm not as... A uh, fan adulating worship as uh, others on this podcast, but it is a charming movie. It's obviously an influential movie. I really like the first hour of it. Uh, I could do without the battle sequences at the end, but I love the character development and, and world building of the story. And obviously, it's a you know, it's a great testament to practical effects. One of the things that I hated that they did in the Blu-ray that I watched, I think it was the 2011 Blu-ray, is that Lucas added in some CG and tried to mix it in with the practical effects, and it just looks bad. I don't understand. I mean, I know it's a generational thing. I'm sure Adam's daughter, uh, you know, and Terry's kids, they, they, they're never going to, the youngins out there are never going to understand. But I got to say, I thought one of the things that held up the best about this movie were the non-CGI original effects. I thought the, uh, even when they were costumes um, and even when they were set pieces and the lighting uh, and the mats, the, the painted backgrounds, they all look great. I thought that it actually aged really, really well. Um, the spaceship looks great. The cantina. My God, that's a great sequence. That holds up incredibly well. Imagine how ruined that would be today in the hands of some hack from Industrial Light and Magic turning it into a CGI catastrophe. And that's the real they problem. Already did. Well, exactly. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's sort of the problem with all the sequels. I will say I did like Rogue One. That's probably the one movie that of the of the newer Star Wars movies that I, I kind of gel with because I like Jyn Erso. I like Felicity Jones. I liked that it played into uh, the original movie and didn't try to necessarily do a whole lot of extraneous world building beyond that. Uh, the others I can't get behind at all. Phantom Menace is uh, absolutely appalling to look at today. It's fun to think about this movie 
just as a self-contained movie that didn't have shameless marketing, endless sequels. I liked when this movie's only sequel was the holiday special because I think that's actually underrated. Anyway, I we can talk about that, but uh, it was a fun, jolly experience watching it again. Actually, I had to watch it a couple times uh, because I was uh, a little bit distracted and trying to look for questions to ask. I don't know if the, my questions were good or bad, but uh, it, it, it's a movie that obviously has inspired eons and generations of nerds and nerd culture and it's arguably the most influential movie ever made. Uh, odds on odds attack has actually seen the holiday special. Oh, listen, I mean, at Concordia, 24%. I had a roommate <laughs> that had a actual VHS copy when those were worth like $750. Oh on, gosh. On nerd two I, for, board, I know? forgot the nerd room that you guys. Yeah. Had. We watched, yeah. we love the holiday special. Man. In fact, we actually lent it out to our old professor, JD Winnikin uh, shout out. I'm sure he's listening. He was a fan of it too. And uh, it was, it was a jolly time. Now that I don't remember beyond the B Arthur singing and uh, Chewbacca's wife. Yeah. Uh, but it, you well, know, that's with the, the holiday special. That was the first time we saw Boba Fett too. One of the most iconic figures from the original trilogy was Mala. from that film. Mala was her name, I believe. Is yeah, this yeah, the nerd room where you had Feast of Love uh, poster? Uh, no, that was no, that, no, was, that was that was not quite as nerdy. That know? was the, that was the other room. No, that the, was this the, was, this was this a Lutheran was, room. Yeah, yeah. No, this <laughs> this was the 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 one where Zach had to sequester himself every Saturday night when they played. Dungeons oh yeah, we had we had land parties back in the day. We played Star Wars Battlefront. I was actually Shadow Wars Battlefront is one of only two video games I actually got half decent at. The other being Good one. NBA 2K. I did once get beat by a four year old though. I will say, <laughs> I, my, my, <laughs> nice. my nephew Caleb once beat me uh, as a four year old. I I have yet to live that down in my family ranks. But obviously, uh, yes, the original Star Wars. Uh, it's a fun time. It's the fourth best movie of '77. Maybe should have won Best Picture. I mean, I think a lot of people would say that today. All right, Todd. Yeah, I mean, uh, similar to you, Terry. I think we watched it earlier than you were letting on. I think I probably watched it the first time when I was like five or six. I mean, because... Well, that would have made me like eight or nine, so I wasn't that far off. And you said like 11. I said 10, 10 or 12. Well, either way, I mean, it was before the remastered version. I know that much because I remember the original VHS copies that we watched it on. But, I mean, I, I, I watched it... And I feel like it was probably years before I watched it again, but I did I did watch it a bunch of times. I remember always saying uh, Empire Strikes Back was my favorite of the of the movies, but when I actually think back on it, like the actual classic moments that I think of in my head are all from this movie. Like it packs a lot into into this two hour movie, with, like, as as you were saying, Terry. And I don't know. I mean, it, it is classic. It is uh, definitely inspired by Kurosawa. It's it's like these grand landscapes and grand shots like it's a beautifully shot movie um as adam walks out i was about to say something about adam um (laughs) well i know i know we were talking about what what adam thinks this movie is about i don't know if we're gonna make that an actual category (laughs) oh i I got it i was thinking about this it's uh it's a it's the early struggles of some parenting uh you know trying to get a a custody battle well either way we could do this now or we can make an extra category but i I feel like we have to do it now now and that is uh okay the disney plus plot description is very short it says a young farm boy intercepts a distress call from the captive princess leia 
And that is the entirety of the plot description on Disney+. And so what Adam thinks this movie is about, it's a comedy like George of the Jungle or Hitch, which is like a fish out of water thing where a boy falls in love with a member of a royal family. And like, because okay. that fits that. Or it's it's like cellular where a guy is racing against time to uh, save someone that he's never met. Uh, which also fits that as well. Because that is a very real, it's probably the vaguest like plot description I've ever seen, especially for a sci-fi movie. It does not sound like it at all. A farm boy intercepts a call from a princess. But yeah. Either way, I love Star Wars. It's a top 100 movie. Uh, apparently, I don't know as much as Terry and Adam, but uh, I, I do love it quite a bit. But I did watch it like five days ago, so not yeah. quite as fresh in the mind. Yeah, I watched it yesterday, and I watched it with my kids. And I think Adam can attest this a little bit. When you watch something with kids, you are only able to half watch it most of the time. Yep. Because uh, a lot of the... questions, a lot of questions. Oh, yeah. My, mine was it was less questions and more. They were getting distracted by other things going on. Um, so, uh, there, there, there was that too. So I, I didn't get to pay that close attention to it, but as I'm watching, I was like, yeah, I don't really need to pay that close attention to it Cause I, I don't know how, but I kind of know this movie by heart. Um, and, uh, even though I haven't seen it that many times, like, it's not like on level with Apollo 13, how many times I've seen it, but I, I know, I feel like I know every beat of this movie. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a. Uh... So Terry okay. and, uh, and Zach, what does Adam think the movie is about? Yeah. Let's see. Um, I don't know if you guys watch on Disney Plus, but when I uh, laughed when I saw that, and I was like, that, I, "That was the only thing that made me think of." I this. did watch on Disney Plus. I didn't see that. <laughs> I thought that's hilarious, I was, though. I was going to say Adam thinks this movie is about how Han Solo has to repay Jabba the Hutt uh, past dues, and he takes him to Small Claims Court. And uh, <laughs> figures out an arrangement that he can pay him back off the money that uh, uh, Obi Wan pays ultimately Han Solo or promises with, to pay him with Hillary Swank. Yeah, with Hillary Swank. Well, she's the judge. It's like a people's court kind of thing, you know. She sort of is in charge of it, and yeah. Yes, I, I, I'm gonna say he took the title a little too literally, and it's it's literally stars fighting each other in in, in space. Like, like space like, invaders or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's space invaders. <laughs> Star stars are falling, and and uh, yeah, exactly. The stars are are wreaking havoc on on this poor farm boy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into some of the stuff that we're gonna be doing here. Uh, we let's start with our Mount Rushmore, uh, and I think this is a really interesting one because there's so many different ways we could have gone with Star Wars. But I love the direction we took. We're doing a Mount Rushmore of John Williams scores. And as I was doing this, I was like, you know what? This really should have been a power ranking probably. But this is this is going to be really, really tough to do. Um, and it, it also depends, I think, on on which way you take it. Are you gonna, are we doing like favorite scores? Are we doing most iconic scores? Are we doing best scores? I mean, because if you ask me those three different questions, my answer is probably going to be three different things. So, um, are we, we going to like top fives again? Like till we did Tom Cruise. I, I think we're just doing a Mount Rushmore. I think oh, that I, works right? too. Just Mount Rushmore. So you, each one gets to submit one. Are we going to set Star Wars aside and say Star Wars is Taft? Is is Taft the yes. <laughs> the the, the non negotiable? We're going to have five on our Mount Rushmore this time. So Star Wars is there, and now we each get to pick one other one to put there. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to Todd first. 
Okay. Uh, there are only a few that I could actually hum to myself right now without thinking about it. And the one that is the most obvious one is Catch Me If You Can. It is yeah. It is easily the... Okay, I mean, it is, that is forever in my head. It, it's a it's Spielberg's best movie. It's John Williams's uh top. It's a top five score. It's I mean, it's not Star Wars, but I mean, it's the one that I can think of right now. Catch Me If You Can is an amazing score, and it fits that like kind of like quirky energy to that movie. And uh, yeah, it's a top hundred movie, and it's a great score. It's the most unique of John Williams scores. Like all of John Williams scores, there are bits and pieces that sound like the rest of his stuff. Catch me if you can sounds nothing like anything else he's ever done. And that's one of the things that I love about that score. Okay. We're going to go Adam next. Well, you know, you could go with the Christmas shark uh, phone home uh, movies, but uh, what I think of the, if we're talking about, um... <laughs> wait, wait, what was that? The oh, Christmas wait. Christmas shark phone Christmas. home movie. Is are you talking like a combination of different movies? I, I just meant smashed up three different movies that he's that was very confusing. For. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, <laughs> is that what Sorry. you thought the movie was about? A Christmas shark? A Christmas shark. <laughs> Christmas shark. Do, 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 do. Okay. Uh, now I'm gonna go with uh if you're talking about songs that you can hum. I, I would probably would that Empire Strikes Back is my favorite one of the, the his scores from the Star Wars universe, but I can't argue with the Star Wars of New Hope being the the Taft. But I'm gonna go with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like I'm really excited to actually see that on the big screen this later tonight and seeing the score. I, I know that um every time it comes on, I can it's one of those songs you can you can hum. Dun da 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 dun da da. I'm just really excited to see that on and hear that again on on a big screen because I never had that experience. But Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones is uh, an iconic score for me, and I just another another childhood favorite movie. I think I had a just like an obsession with Harrison Ford films. So uh, I think uh, Indiana Jones or Raiders of the Lost Ark is also it could be my mission submission to the Mount Rushmore. I had a feeling you were going to go with that. Two very predictable picks so far, but you do make a very interesting point that Empire the Strikes Empire Strikes Back is a completely different score from the first Star Wars, and because that's where you first get the Imperial March. Yeah, that's why like I that. would have picked it because you had yeah. you had not just one iconic song with the main title, but you also have the Empire Strike or the Empire song too with Darth Vader's theme. So that's why I, I would I, put that just a little above because there's two iconic songs that you can hum, not just one. I, I think it's safe that. Our, our non-negotiable is just like Star Wars in general. In general, all that yeah. Stuff in. Um, yes. Okay. Zach, you're next. I mean, uh, wow, for Todd's pick. That I, I can't. <laughs> I have no recollection of that score at all. Uh, but you do I you. sang the score. I, okay. <laughs> he has no idea. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he, the real interesting question is, you know, what's the, what's the worst John Williams score? I mean, uh, it's... Uh, another trivia question I should have asked: How do you guys know how many Oscar nominations he has all time? Oh, I, I didn't look at 60, it. 60, 61. Yeah, that's pretty close. It's fifty-two, which is wow. pretty amazing. Uh, I'm going to go with Schindler's <laughs> List. I think Schindler's List is the greatest soundtrack or greatest score ever written. I have no movie. idea what that score sounds like. Really. I think let's get a Twitter poll out there. Okay, let's get this. Let's put it in libraries. Let the fans decide. Better score to a movie. No, more, more. Like, can you? Which score can you hum right now? Schindler's, Schindler's List. List or Catch Me If You Can. 
yeah. honestly, I can't. Yeah. I don't have Schindler's List score in my head, but I know it. I know it's great. It's it's one of those. Yeah. Are you kidding? And there's like multiple okay, yeah. great yeah, yeah. great individual pieces in that movie too. You don't Adam's have this out right now. You don't have, have the, live the greatest final scene in movie history as you do in Schindler's List without that music. It's iconic. It's instantly recognizable. I mean, listen, John Williams. You know, he's obviously one of the greatest musicians ever. So you you could justifiably pick anything, but. Yeah, you've got to go with I I, I don't know iconicity. I, uh, I I can think of minor John Williams movies before I can think of Catch Me If You Can. I can think of Minority Report music before Catch Me If You Can. But oh, I can't. But I mentioned that in our deep dive. I actually, he's got like a lot of you have a lot of forgettable scores, but I mean, he has some really iconic ones. And Catch Me If You Can is one of the ones that is that is sounds. Maybe different. okay. Did you put up the poll yet? Maybe we should wait for Terry's pick because I'm curious to see. I put the poll up between this. It's a settled. I put, uh, let me see here. Almost sideways. I said, <clears throat> come on now. Great. It's load. Okay. Uh, what's the score, you know, right now? Settle, settle the okay. debate well, between we'll Todd see, and we'll, Zach. We'll see what the, we'll see what the people think. All right. So my, my pick <laughs> I think the now. It's probably going to be none, none of the above. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just funny that we're 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 arguing over those two, but that's what we do here. That's what this podcast is all about. You don't get that everywhere. You don't get that. You don't get that on next next picture. You don't get that on next picture. They don't listen Ringer. to music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Screw you, rewatchables. Um. So, all right, I've got three others written down that haven't been said. All the ones you said are I, I had written down already. Um. Uh. I. All right. I. I have to go. Jurassic Park. Like that's the one I have to go with. Uh, just, and, and I mean, the different iterations of it may have, may have ruined it slightly, but I mean, the first time you see the, you know, those brontosaurus is walking across the field and you hear the da, 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 da. I mean, that's it, 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 of all of his scores, that might be like one of the just best moments worse where music and visual just meet perfectly. And it's, it's just it's just a gorgeous score and it's so simple and and so many of John Williams scores can get can are so complicated the Jurassic Park score is so simple for something that is such a an overblown spectacle that you, you just gotta love it the other if if I could just say one other one the other one I would have gone with is is Harry Potter because he wrote the original theme to Harry Potter and and being able to take what was so iconic in the books, and turn it into just that sim that symbol da 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 and 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 like that encapsulates the entire like mood of of all those movies and just one little in Hedwig's theme there it's just it's just perfect so that that's that's the honorable mention I want to throw out there but Jurassic Park that's my pick right on can't argue with that one yeah I mean there's just so many like I know. We haven't well, even... Jaws is the easiest one. Everyone knows Jaws. Yeah. Score. Everyone knows Jaws. The other that, one I had written down was Home Alone. Yeah, Home yeah, Alone. That's the other one I had. Et, et e. as well. How could you forget et? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, well, I one in my head right now. Um, I think a really underrated one is uh, Born on the Fourth of July. Like maybe you can't hum that, but that's actually I actually have that on my phone. I think that's an amazing, amazing soundtrack. Um. Well, and, but, and see, he's got those other those great scores that just that just support the movie in such a great way. But you can't 
necessarily hum them. Like he's got the like memorable, iconic, like I can just listen to this piece of music all day long, like Star Wars and Indiana Jones. And, but then he's got the ones that are just perfect for the movie. Like another one that I saw, I was like, I can't hum it, but I remember Munich was a, was a Mm. brilliant score too. Apparently he did the score for, Family Plot, the Hitchcock movie, which I don't remember, but I'd have to go back and watch that now because I didn't know that he was actually doing music for any Hitchcock movies. That's cool. He also did it for your favorite movie, Sleepers. Oh. <laughs> is is no. that is no? Is... He didn't. Did yeah, he? he did. I thought that was Terrence Blanchard, but okay. Uh, no, John Williams. That that that's the that's the upcoming movie about um, Zach going to see any popular movie. Yes, and then going to, exactly. co- going to court for custody. I don't know how <laughs> E.T. was not on our Mount Rushmore. With Hillary Swank. That's I have no idea appalling. what that score sounds like, Zach. E- really, E.T.? Wow, okay. I think we're losing credibility here. We're also losing fans. I don't know. I don't think you can really argue. I mean, yeah, yes, Catch Me If You Can is a little bit of an outlier in, in just that it's not one that you it's normally personal go to. I'll give, I'll give you props but, for that. But I will I, I will argue that Todd is absolutely right. The Catch Me If You Can belongs there. Um. And again, this goes into, all right, what were you doing? Were we doing best? Were we doing iconic? Were yeah. we doing uh, our favorite? I mean, uh, if we're doing iconic, then Jaws needs to be on there. E.T. needs to be on there. Um, but. Oh, is this E.T.? This is E.T., yeah. It sounds like a Harold Boyd movie. Oh, that, that's what. <laughs> da, 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 da. That's the iconic part right there. Yep. See, I didn't grow up with ET, so it's not as top one hundred movie, right? Others. Oh well, ET's ET is way better than Star Wars. I, I didn't wow. see ET until maybe <laughs> like less than ten years ago, so I don't. Yeah, me too. My daughter loves ET. Actually, this is awesome. Um, ET is the movie that kids today could still watch and not be bored by. That is a, I disagree there. Like I bet that I would have been, I would have been super bored if I watched that as a kid. All right. Well, I'll, I'll show it to, I'll show it to Atticus in in the next week or two. Have him listen to catch me if you can and Schindler's list. And then let's see what Atticus says. (laughs) Well, Uh, well, I'll have him watch ET and we'll see what he thinks. So our Mount Rushmore here, we've got star Wars and then catch me if you can, uh, Indiana Jones, Schindler's list and Jurassic park. I mean, you can't argue with that. It, it, you can't argue with that list. And yet there's so many others that you could have put on there too. All right, let's move on. Let's go to recasting. Um, oh this is kind of a hard one to recast because it's it, of all the different versions of this movie that have come out or not versions, but the franchise continues to expand. Uh, also, the other thing is these were all fairly unknowns at the time. So there's that side of it too. I, I ignored the unknown part and just went with it. So I'll go first. Uh, let's just go through all of them all at once. We're doing the, the main four, Luke, Leia, Han, Obi-Wan, and if you have any others, you can throw them out there. I think, Todd, you were going to recast Wedge, if I remember right. Yeah, I um, didn't come up with anything. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, I, I ignored the, uh, the you know, fairly unknown piece of this and just kind of went with it. So my Luke Skywalker is Tom Holland. Um, I feel like he kind of fits the fits the mold of, of, uh, of what Mark Hamill's thrown out there. My princess, uh, oh, let's see here. Oh, I got those. Mi- that's re- really funny. My princess Leia. So I went with the idea that uh, that uh, Carrie Fisher was, you know, second generation Hollywood, and so my my princess Leia is Lily Rose Depp. 
Mm. Um, and and I could you could kind of see you know a familial resemblance a little bit between Lily Rose Depp and Tom Holland. Like it it's not it it's it's it would be understandable. Uh, my Han Solo. Uh, maybe I'm uh you know biased off of what we just saw, but Miles Teller uh as Han Solo. Too old. He um, should have been. No, he's he's Solo. actually younger was... than he's actually younger than Harrison Ford was. That that was the original choice for Solo. That was the original choice for Solo. Yeah, it was it was going to be Michael B. Jordan and and Miles Teller. Oh, that would have been that would have been fun. And my Obi Wan Kenobi is Christoph Waltz. Nice. That that could, would be beautiful. I know. Wouldn't that be perfect? <laughs> no, it's not. It's a space station. <laughs> i can see it i can see it all right let's go let's go to zach next all right my luke is sunny soljic from mid 90s <laughs> wait isn't he like 14 no it says he's now 17 which okay. is only two years off so i uh i'm going with friend of the podcast thomas and mckenzie as princess leia which is yeah. a Throwaway pick, but I can't think of They're twins. Else. There's no way in hell Sonny Soldier and Thomas McKenzie are twins. <laughs> um, I didn't think about that part. <laughs> if you can't tell. He's rewriting the movie. That's what he's doing. Uh, I went with Joe Keery, a.k.a. Steve, from Stranger Things as Han Solo. Nice. Mm-hmm. And for my Obi-Wan Kenobi, I went with Al Pacino. Because you can't find a ship without there being fire. He got a great ass. How has he never played a hermit? <laughs> That's a good question. It's a good question. Uh, a hermit watching the tree of wooden clogs. My favorite movie. Singing in the Rain's good. I, I honestly I would have been fine with keeping Alden Ehrenreich as, as Han Solo too. I thought he did his performance gets crapped on way too much. All right, Adam. You're next. Uh, Luke Skywalker. I have Cody Smith McPhee. There we go. I, I think that he works. can. Uh, I think that's a pretty decent ASM. one. Uh, Leia going that second generation. I'm going with Maya Hawk again. Yeah, that was the <laughs> other one I was looking at. I think that's that pretty res- good. Uh, Han Solo. I actually I wrote down Alden Ehrenreich. I think that he could. I thought he did a great job. But if we're picking somebody do uh, somebody new, Lakeith Stanfield. I think he can bring that the swag for Han Solo. I think that I, I love it. Obi Wan Kenobi. I'm going to go with Ken Watanabe. Wow, this is a Christopher Nolan movie. I like yeah. it. Okay, so I said that too, and it's because oh, there we go. Originally, Tashiro Mifune was supposed to be Obi Wan Kenobi, and so I thought Ken Watanabe would have been cast as young Obi Wan Kenobi in 1999 for for the prequels ah. and oh, i still think he would be awesome as as yeah. Obi-Wan. exactly yeah and my, my, that's my Darth... ridiculous that you said the same name but i mean that was my <laughs> rationale for ridiculous. it i don't know what yours was that's awesome. that was no, actually kind of a conspiracy just... theory because it was a, supposed to be based off seven samurai so it's it's samurai yeah I, yeah i think that would have been perfect from the last samurai i don't know i just think he would but be there are many good... many japanese actors it's amazing that you True. Well, Ken Watanabe was not a name at the time either. I don't know if it would have happened in 1999, but uh, my Darth Vader pick though, uh, Keith David. He does have, you know, Big Tim 
Yeah. Kind of yeah. voice. Yeah. <laughs> Maid Mary. Or Idris Elba. If they want to go to a bigger start, it's going to be Idris Elba, I think. Maid Mary want to come on my ship. Booking.com, you know, Idris Elba. Anyway, there we go. All right. Todd, what do you have besides Ken Watanabe? That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> my Luke is uh, Charlie Plummer. Uh, he doesn't do a whole lot. He was only in Lean on Pete, but uh, I think he, he has that kind of like face and kind of half boringness that uh, Mark Campbell does. Uh, Han, I have Austin Butler. I haven't seen Elvis yet, but I, I think that is, is definitely oh, the kind of thing that he's yeah, going for. Yeah. Second generation Leia, I have Maude Apatow. <laughs> and, yes. and my Vader, I have Cranston because, I mean... Yeah, that's a good one. His voice. Like, I mean, I could easily see that being just like that villainous, like, robotic voice. Yeah, he was, uh, he was, uh, what, what? I thought we said he was Shelly Dean. And well, he Vader. was. He could but... be a, we, should, we should outlaw everybody who's been on Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially, all right, I, I have to mention it. I sent you guys this video. Adam, I don't know if you saw it, of, of the alternate ending to Avengers Endgame, mm-hmm. where, uh, where, where Thanos snaps his finger and the the stones are missing and Tuco is is crushing them up and and ah oh, yeah tight tight blue pink yellow whatever just g- give me more of that <laughs> I mean, it was, nice <laughs> it was it was the perfect the perfect video it was so good to which Zach said it's better than every Marvel movie <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, we got we got an update on our poll here. We got some votes in. Uh, three votes so far. Two votes for Schindler's List. One vote for Catch Me If You Can. So oh, okay. nice. So we'll keep you posted throughout the episode. Very Back exciting. to you guys. <laughs> Looking here, I don't see Ken Watanabe having done much that would have been uh, recognizable to mainstream America before. Uh, like Last Samurai in 2003 was definitely, I think, what but he would have what? been about the right age in 1999. And yeah. I don't know that Ewan McGregor, I mean, what he had, like train spotting. I think that was pretty much it, right? Yeah, probably. But Ewan McGregor's. I think like it, maybe it would have been someone more too. like Chow Yun Fat or something like that at that oh, time. Oh, Bulletproof Monk. He's not <laughs> Japanese. That's true, but. I mean, like. I, I, Most misleading movie poster of all time. Jackie Chan, maybe. Also oh, not no. Japanese. That's true too. We're gonna we're we're get we're gonna get canceled here soon, Terry. I know that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just on, throwing Terry. I'm just throwing names out there of that's like. Why, I mean, Ken Watanabe would be perfect though. I mean, he is yeah. he feels oh, like totally, totally. How about yeah. I I'm gonna draft Hideki Matsui. Yes, Godzilla. Yeah. How about uh, Sunny Chiba? We got Matsui. <laughs> Ichiro. Got Matsui. Ichiro. Yeah. Ichiro is Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh, yes, I like it. Stay holy. He's Korean. How about uh, say say uh, Suzuki of the Cubs? There we go. Yeah, he wasn't born in 1999. I don't think. <laughs> no. Uh, who and Nicholas Cage play? Oh, I got it. I got. The, where's my list here? Hold on a second. Go for it, thing? Adam. All right. So if we're not talking, he could be an interesting Obi Wan, but I don't. I don't. I don't think so. But I think if we're going to go Nicholas Cage, he needs to be plays the bartender. Woo her. Woo her. He's got to be the bartender at the Gitpina. Uh, oh, we don't a, want those kinds here. On a slightly other note, I think he's the guy who Obi-Wan cuts his arm off. Oh, I don't Dr. like you either. Dr. Cornelius? <laughs> yeah. Dr. Cornelius? Yeah. yeah. 
that's who I'll go with. 1996, he would have been Han Solo. Yeah, uh, probably, probably. I was going to say uh, Nicolas Cage is Emperor Palpatine, but then I realized he's not in this movie. Um, and then I think the obvious pick to make all the nerds happy would be uh, Greedo. Because let's just have an explosion of nerdom with Nicolas Cage and Han shot first because we just need more more fangasms. And go with nice. that. I, I think Nicolas Cage should have been Jabba the Hutt. Oh, God. That was like some bad CG. Well, that was like hard his, to watch. His, that his scene. face superimposed onto Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> oh, no. Some bad CGI. <laughs> uh, Todd, what do oh, you got? No. I mean, uh, I mean, I think uh, having him as a voice of Vader would be interesting, but I, 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 I just think I, I was just picturing like 1998-ish, like Snake Eyes era. He would be Han. Uh, Han. Yeah, yeah, that is a good call. Oh, so we got five votes for Schindler's List now. Or no, it's five votes in, four votes for Schindler's, and then one for Catch Me If You Can. Nobody's heard that score before. <laughs> I don't know. Saying. Twitter knows best. I don't think I don't anybody says that. <laughs> no, that's why you heard it here first, folks. All right, let's let's get going here. Uh, let let's combine some of these together. Let's go highest war, and uh, the Bill Paxton Memorial Worst Performance Award. Uh, go to who, Todd? Highest war. I mean, I think it's James Earl Jones. Like his oh. voice. Like I mean, especially at the time. Like I mean, he was young. He he obviously couldn't have been. Mark Hamill's father, but I mean, he that that voice is just so booming, so unique that that is the voice of evil in my head, like for my entire childhood. He is the highest war, and my worst performance is Mark Hamill. I mean, he's he's terrible. I mean, he's he's whiny, he's kind of annoying. He he does have that look in his eye where you could see how he could become a star, but he never really does in these movies. He really just sort of is that whining, annoying little kid, but. They could have come up with somebody better. I don't think it needed to be an unknown necessarily. So, Mark Hamill's the Bill Paxton Worst Performance Award. Bill Paxton Memorial. Memorial Worst Performance Award, yes. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Zach, what do you got? Well, the highest war performance, I guess I'm going sort of a similar route to to Todd in a way, but you got to go Kenny Baker as R2-D2 because the guy was only three foot eight. So outside of Danny DeVito, I don't know who else you're Eddie Goodell. I don't know who who else you're casting as R two D two. I think that's that's obvious. Um, as for yeah, the Cal Young Fat's gonna get us canceled. <laughs> I said little people. Okay, I didn't use other derogatory terms. Uh, the other uh, uh, the thing that I, I okay, I agree with a lot of what Todd said about Mark Hamill. But first of all, there's two things working in his favor. Uh, three things actually. One is that the character's meant to be whiny, okay? Hence the whole I'm gonna go get go to Tashi Station and get some power converters. Um, second of all, uh, Hayden Christensen makes him look like you know Lawrence <laughs> Olivier, okay? And third of all, Mark Hamill is very funny on social media, so I think that helps all of his causes. I think the worst performance also um, Joker. Oh, yeah, he's the voice yeah. of Joker in the animated Batman. Thank you for bringing it up. Adam. <laughs> I think the worst performance in this movie is Peter Cushing as uh, Tarkin. Uh, just out of place. Feels like a character from a stock, you know, Western. 
just you kind of kind of uh, gives that diabolical. You know, going to twirl his mustache, even though I know he doesn't have a mustache. He just doesn't belong. Why couldn't this have been a more charming, you know, uh, uh, character? For, uh, why couldn't this have been an e uh, an evil Ewok or someone who you know is under the powers of Darth Vader? I mean, this guy looks like he's got a power trip over Darth Vader, and it's just he's he's the least interesting part of the movie is Tarkin. All right, well, I'll go next because I had two names no written down for highest four, and like uh, no one, one of them was sorry, one of them was Peter Cushing as Grand Moff Tarkin. Thank um, you. Highest war, yeah. Oh, um, highest war. Yeah, highest war. Yeah, I mm. I think he's he's got this menacing feel to him, and just this look to him that makes him stand out. Like like you said, he stands out, but I feel like it's in a good way. Um, I I think it's interesting that he's the one. You don't see the emperor in this, but he's the one guy that can stand up to Vader and like order him around. I and I think it takes someone with the with just that kind of that kind of gravitas to him in order to be able to do that. Uh, I think it's interesting that he is the only of all the different people and all the different characters and all the different things. Uh, the only ones that they've like computer generated to bring back to life are princess leia and grandma of tarkin um because they they brought him back for for uh rogue one because they 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 said this character we need this character and we can't just bring back some some other guy that looks like him we need him and they computer generated his face off onto someone who looked like him uh i i think he he's gives a he gives a really cool performance it may not be the best performance but it's one of the more replaceable mostly replaceable performances um my worst performance, uh, I'm going with, uh, and it might just be she didn't have much to do, but uh, Aunt Beru is my worst performance. Adam seems really upset about that. I've just taken everything from him, and part of it yeah. is it sounds like it sounds like every one of her lines is dubbed. Like they they, <laughs> yeah. they 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 put her they put her in there. It's like, yeah, we hate how you sound. We're just gonna have someone else read your lines and have have them speak it over you. I don't know if that's what actually happened. I don't know what her voice sounds like, but it sounds like every single one of her lines is not actually her talking. So, um, so that's what that's what I've got there. Adam, I think I just stole your your highest war and worst worst performance. Yeah, that how how, how often does that happen? Um, okay, so <laughs> all right, so I think Todd nailed it with James Earl Jones. However, I'm gonna my highest war. I'm gonna say David Prowse. Uh, David Prowse is the guy behind the costume. The original voice was going to be. There's a whole documentary about how he basically just got outed out of the biggest role of his life, and yeah, it's really. Uh, he he would be up there because he's the guy in the actual in the, the Darth Vader costume. But if I had to pick a, like a somebody you see in here, uh, Alec Guinness as Obi Wan Kenobi, I think that is uh, kind of an iconic character, especially when he didn't really do sci-fi movies at all. He was on like an interview that I saw that basically he he didn't really think it was going to be good because he thought the dialogue was kind of messy, but he was intrigued by the story and the concept of the character. So he uh, did it and obviously got an Oscar nomination, which is kind of a weird nomination, too. So I really enjoy Alec Guinness here. Harrison Ford does a great job as Han as, as well, but I think his more iconic character is Indiana. Okay, uh, but, I, I got to say something here first. So you said yes. you said you almost want to say David Prowse's highest war, but you agree with Todd that James Earl Jones is one of the highest wars. Isn't the fact that you think David uh, James Earl Jones has a very very high war 
means that David Prowse might be the lowest war of the entire cast because he literally got replaced by someone who's irreplaceable? Well, the thing is, too, is you have... <laughs> It's like Bam. some social network with Army Hammer kind of thing. <laughs> True. Okay. Okay. I, I I hear what you're saying. I hear. I hear. And I I, in, I, in I, I Facebook, like it. Would have invented it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, but the thing with David Prowse though is that he does bring that menacing presence to him. He towers over everybody's in. You know, other you were saying like he. True. He, no one else could have been six foot yes. six on set. Oh wait, exactly. it was Chewy. <laughs> <laughs> He could have Peter been Mayhew, replaced by Peter Eddie Mayhew. Levy, but... Fine, Peter, Peter Mayhew, Mayhew, highest war. Yeah, highest there, war. There we okay. go. There we go. I think the other one I had written down for highest Mayhew, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other one I had written down for highest war was Harrison Ford. Yeah. Because, I mean, I feel like Harrison Ford just is one of those actors who has a high war on everything he does because he Harrison Ford's everything he does. I don't know. I could have seen a young Charles Grodin in that role. You know? That look mm. of general disgust and apathy about the world and encroaching fear that he's going to have to live with a St. Bernard in his house in a few years. I mean, <laughs> That's just the way Charles Grodin's face looks. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right, Adam, I, All I, right. I, I robbed so, you of your worst performance. Worst perform- performance. Uh, I'm going to go with Porkins because only Kevin Smith could yeah. probably make it better. Uh, uh, not Kevin's. Yeah, I get Kevin Smith. Yeah, that's Kevin right. Smith. Could, he made yeah. a joke about it. Yeah, Porkins, worst performance. Ah! Okay, we're done. Go ahead, move on. Next one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, amazing Larry Big Tim, high roller, minor character of the film, goes to who, Zach? Yeah, Porkins. Thank you, Adam, for stealing my thunder. I love Porkins, man. <laughs> we need a we need the fat guy in every movie. He's a little bit unshaven. He hasn't really gotten ready for this flight, which is kind of why he dies. And uh, he's just he's the Seth Rogen character who in the reboot. And I don't know why we didn't recast him. He's probably yeah. puffing, huff, huffing, but puffing, puff the magic dragon. <laughs> uh, so, so my uh, my minor character, I'm gonna go with the Red Leader, uh, because he he gets the most epic death moment as, as, as after he makes the he he's the only other one that makes the entire run. And, and and misses, and then as soon as he misses, he he gets hit, and he gets that one more. And, and it, it, it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So Red a Leader, nice slow score that plays his death mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's he's the one that gets a death scene of everyone that dies in that. He's the one that gets a death scene. So and that, nice. that's what I'm going with. Adam Good call. All right, I don't want to take one person because I think Todd may go with him. But um, there's two people that I thought of was Admiral uh, Conan Antonio Modi, which is the guy that kind of has the cojones to say your your ancient religion is no match to this battle station, and he gets force choked by yeah. Vader. I think that guy is mm-hmm. uh, has the cojones there. Uh, but I, I got to go with uh, uh, Figrim Dan and the the modal nodes best one of the most iconic uh, movie bands of all time especially that one big hit they're playing in the cantina called uh mad about me it just it was a platinum record uh it just what he was able to do with music uh, just kind of transforms anything in uh the movie so yeah did cantina you listen band. to star wars cds when you were a kid adam because i remember a few of those coming out and like listening to them with my nerdy friends like they had some ewok <laughs> songs i remember yeah. It was like actual, me- not John Williams music. It was music from the world of Star Wars. 
Yeah, well, there. I'll mention something later about something like about that on the uh, conspiracy theories. But I also watched like the Caravan of Courage and the Ewok Adventure had those on VHS too, which is like about the Ewoks. So that was a uh, yeah. That, that was some. I, I watched a lot of stuff. Let's start. And then the animated movies they made droids and yeah, it's fun stuff. Good stuff. Good memories. I was a nerd. Sorry. <laughs> All right, Todd. Uh, I I said the Jawas. I mean, I, I love those guys. Particularly, I mean, Jack Purvis, who actually was like the, the body of them. Like he was like four feet tall. Uh, he was like, th- those guys are awesome. They're, they're like little monkeys. Like the, the, they're the little planet of the apes in there. I feel like they're also like swindlers. Like they're, they're trying to like pawn off these droids that they just kind of like captured or whatever. Like the Jawas are awesome. But they're definitely the best like creatures. Like they're definitely, you know, better than Ewoks and all that shit. Like they're, they're the best creatures in the in the Star Wars uh, original trilogy. You know? So what you're saying is every Jawa could have been R2-D2 and replaced Kenny Baker? <laughs> yeah, so that baseball player that Zach was talking about. I wonder if the Jawas are a little degenerate. You know, they're really eager to make a profit. They're going to sell like a lemon. Do they have debts to Jabba the Hutt as well? Maybe they're degenerate like you know they're, they're they're gamblers like Adam Sandler on Cut Gems or something. Like they seem they seem pretty sketchy. They're on Tatooine. They they probably have a debt to the hut. Um, I, Todd, I'm surprised you didn't say Wedge. That's what I didn't. Why I didn't say him? Yeah, could have said Wedge. Mm-hmm. Like the only one that survives, and he's the only other one besides like the main guys that pops up in every movie. He even came but, back for Rise of Skywalker. He did come back for Rise of Skywalker. That that was a fanboy moment, paying off if I ever saw one. Um, yeah, great. All right, time for uh, time for Spider Stick Man and the Billy Bats Douchebag, and we are starting with oh, we're starting with me. How about that? Okay. Um, so the Spider Stick Man, I'm going with Biggs because his name is Biggs. And he's got like, and it's the 70s and he's got a Burt Reynolds stash. I mean, he, you, you got to know um, it, it's him. If we're going for an anti, an anti stick man, it's got to be Red Leader because negative, it didn't go in. Um, Billy Bat's <laughs> douchebag. Um, <laughs> Big Stark uh, Lighter. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, Billy Bat's douchebag. I'm going with General Mahdi. Um for for i mean you got to be you got to be like a like a superior level douchebag to to take on darth vader who you know is a master of the force with anger problems and and to to call him out and try and ch- treat him like a child i mean what did you think was going to happen you idiot i mean that that's a that's a real sign of a good douchebag there so so that's my that's my pick adam all right, uh, I didn't see three PO. It's kind of a dick the whole time. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm gonna go with uh, Panda Baba and Doctor Cornelius of Afsan, who comes to find out he's a cosmetologist, which is kind of weird. But he's the guy that doesn't like Luke Skywalker and he gets his arm cut off in the cantina. Another those two guys. Uh, yeah, As I mentioned him. man. No, those are douchebags. Sorry, oh, okay. douchebags. My bad. Yeah, I forgot the stick man. Uh, no, those are my douchebags for the uh, thing. He's kind of the uh, I know Dr. Cornelius is kind of like the minority report for uh, Peter Stormare uh, from the last movie, but anyway, um, stick man, I go on with Han Solo. I think that's kind of a he has that swag. Well, I, I, can, I, I think him and Chewie clearly have a BDSM relationship, probably. <laughs> <Chewie's> a submissive. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I don't know if you really call it this is scruffy man. looking. He's a bear. <laughs> He's a bear. Oh, nice. That's yeah, I love how Han, like, they're in the middle of a gun battle, and he's still, like, trying to flirt with the girl. Like, that, that, that's what makes him the, the greatest stick man. And he's like, I got her right where I want her as they're, getting, like, about to die. <laughs> like, yeah. What do you think? A guy like her and a princess like, or a girl like her and a guy like me? No, no, I don't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Todd. Uh, so I mean, other than Han, I mean, I would say Vader for Stickman. He he does he has a lot of he does a lot of things with his hands. Like he just makes things happen. I don't know. He could be a Stickman. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and the biggest douchebag, I say, Wooher, the bartender. You know, it's like uh, uh, not only does he say, you know, we don't serve their kind here, but he but his next movie was called Let's Get Laid. And I think that's about as douchey <laughs> of a thing as can possibly. But does that make him more of a Stickman? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess both. I mean, it could be both. <laughs> he didn't have that many credits, and that was his next movie. That's great, Zach. What do you got? Well, for for uh, uh, for Stickman, I agree with you, Terry. I, I would go with Biggs, but I'm not going Burt Reynolds mustache. I'm going Village People mustache. If you get oh. my drift, yes. I mean, it, well, it, it is the '70s. Uh, in fact, I love Biggs because Biggs is the only reminder in this movie that this movie is in the 70s. I, I mean, maybe like Harrison Ford's there, but when you see Biggs at you know the one hour and 45 minute mark, you're like, oh yeah, this movie is the 70s. I forgot. Um, I think though you could, I, I'm intrigued by the idea of the one-armed guy being a stick man. I kind of like that, even though that wasn't Adam's original pick, but I I, I, I can't think of that many great one-armed stick men. I mean, honestly, that, that should be a power rankings list, but I don't think it exists. Um, I'd also go with Uncle Owen as a as a low key stick man because he's a more moisture farmer. You know, he gets, he gets the juices flowing. He gets he gets things wet. Um, yeah, so he's a master of lubrication. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, and then douchebag. Yes, I agree. I went with the bartender who kicks out C three PO. I didn't know he had a name. That's impressive that you knew his name. Oh, that every every character they show in the cantina has a name of some kind. Then there's backstories to each character in the cantina. It's, it's, when I Star hear Wars Star fans, Wars, crazy. I just think of in the Star Wars, Star Wars cantina. That's all that I can think of when I think of that scene. You, you know go. what I'm talking about, right, Adam? I think so. I think so. I've heard I that know. before. I've heard it before, but what it's is one, it? One of many par- <laughs> that You know what? We really should have done a Mount Rushmore Star Wars parodies. Can we talk about that for a second? What is the best Star Wars parody? Because there are so Yoda, many that you can choose from. Y-O-D-A, Yoda. I saw him Doesn't there that sitting be a song up on a log. That's Weird Al Yankovic. Well, the best Weird yeah. Al song is is uh, uh, bye, hi, bye, bye, this here Anakin guy. Now he's just a young fry. That's the best uh, Weird Al yeah. This is, uh, I don't know, the Seth MacFarlane thing where he's like, Obi-Wan Kenobi? I thought you meant old Obi-Wan Kenobi. That, that, yeah, that, that's what I was gonna say. That's in the Family Guy parody. Blue that, Harvest, yeah, Blue Harvest. Ah, ah it's wedged. It's wedged. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Obi-Wan, I thought you meant old Obi-Wan. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, and, I and then he did he did all of them, but the other ones, all he does is make fun of the fact that the studios made him do more than just the first one. Like uh, something, something, something. Dark side. That's Empire Strikes Back, and it's a trap. Is uh, Return of the Jedi. I wrote down two others. Um, the undercover boss on SNL with Kylo Ren. Did you guys see that? Oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> That's amazing. Mm-hmm. As some of Adam Driver's finest acting work there. And then also, did you guys ever see the A Star is Born parody? 
Ben Solo or Kylo Ren? Ben Solo or Kylo Ren? No, I really? didn't see that. Oh wow. Okay, I'm gonna have to. It's uh, uh, basically they have uh, a, uh, uh, the Daisy Ridley character singing um, "Shallow," but all about Ben Solo or Kylo Ren instead of "Shallow." I'll send it to you. It, it's amazing. It's on par with an Undercover Boss. There, there's a nice. clip out there where where Daisy Ridley is on Jimmy Fallon and she raps the story of the entire like Star Wars saga. It's pretty huh. great. It's pretty great. You should look it up if you haven't seen it. All right. Uh, best scene. Uh, yeah, best scene. Adam. Uh, best scene for me. I don't know. There's a lot of iconic kind of sequences here, but I, I think some of my favorite is the. Well, got, I don't want to mention the cantina again because I think there's just so much you can have fun interactions there but I, i'm probably gonna say my favorite scene is going to be that first gunfight with han solo and luke in the millennium falcon when they just left the death star seeing the interactions like leading up to like they're they're shooting down those six tie fighters i think that's some of the best uh that's just it's really fun to see that they're back and forth and every character gets a little bit a moment to show you what they're about to in that little sequence. So I'm going to go with that little gunfight after they escape the Death Star. It's one of my favorites. That's another great part from the Family Guy parody. Great kid. Don't get penisy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Todd, what's the best scene? Uh, I love the scene where they're, they go down the garbage chute. Like, the, the, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, I mean, like Luke is like drowning in like eight inch deep water and you can't actually see him or hear him at any point. It's kind of ridiculous. Like how I was he making a splash. Maybe that's a fly. I don't know. But like, I, I love that scene and I love how they, they're trying to get a hold of C3PO. Like, where could he be? I, I think they say it like 10 times in that scene, which because because he just left his little like speaker like on the oh, desk or something. Link. I forgot I turned it off. <laughs> yes, shut them all down hurry you know i mean i don't know that, that whole scene i mean it, it's intense even though it probably shouldn't be i mean i don't know why they're trying to think that like a like a piece of metal is going to actually stop this like giant garbage chute from closing it's just a great scene though we're going to be a lot thinner <laughs> but what i love about that scene is before the the walls start moving leia starts moving and so, like, the minute it starts moving, she's already saying, help me stop, help me brace it so it stops or something. It It's, she jumps the gun a little bit. Yeah, yeah, she, she's already grabbing that thing before it starts, yeah. Mm -hmm. That would be All my right, worst back. scene in the movie. That that scene was, like, out of corny 1930s movies or something. That's just, it just, and then how does Leia, like, they just, she just slides down and... She knows it's a trash compactor, apparently, because she knows the ship so well. I don't know. It, it, that, that scene has so many issues, as with a lot of other things. Uh, my favorite scene, though, clearly, this is the scene that separates the movie. It's the most iconic for me. It's the cantina. Like, this movie, you know, so many Star Wars movies are so laced with seriousness and excessive plotting. And, you know, uh, like, think of uh, 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 what's the uh, Attack of the Clones, which it, it, I refer to as uh, Galactic C-SPAN. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, boring, trivial stuff that doesn't matter. How about just a fun scene when they're at Cantina with weird creatures and weird people in costumes in 1977? Um, I love that scene. I have a conspiracy theory about that scene a little later that I'll hold off on. But uh, that scene, beautifully shot, great acting, just a wonderful, instant classic. Wish the whole movie had been about the bar. I love yeah, Luke's I just... order in that scene. 
I'll have one of those. Like that's literally <laughs> what he asks for. Yeah. Yeah. The only bad thing is they, they, the original cut, they took a, one like a werewolf looking character out of it and they put like a CGI characters in it. They like edited it a little bit, which kind of is a bummer, but still a great sequence. That's why I had wrote it down too. So actually the trash compactor isn't the worst scene. The worst scene is the CGI job of the hut scene. That yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Where he steps on his tail. <laughs> Well, and he steps on his tail because it was supposed to be like, uh, I remember hearing it was supposed to be someone like a Chewbacca type character. Like that, that's what they originally thought Jabba was going to look like. And so they had some guy walking around in a fur coat standing in for what Jabba was going to be. And uh, then they ended up making him what he was. So uh, my best scene, I mean, this is, this is one of those where I was looking at it and there's so many iconic moments, but thinking about what like like an iconic scene was kind of tough uh but i'll say the best scene is um is luke and obi-wan when they go back to like obi-wan's place and he gives him the lightsaber and he's telling him about his father and he's and uh especially knowing what you know later about how in that moment he's he's intentionally bending the truth a little bit and, and you have so many different scenes or different like cuts that people have put together of, of putting together like scenes from like episode three of what, what Obi-Wan had to be thinking in that moment of, of what he was talking about and, and interspersing it with what he's saying. And then knowing later about how, how he had bended the truth and, and all that. I, I think that's just a really interesting scene. And it's where it's where like Luke was, like Luke Skywalker, like what we came to know as Luke Skywalker was born, was in that scene. So, um, I lo- I love that scene. It's a good one. Okay. Right. So uh, the the next category we usually talk about is if there were a sequel. Um, there's yeah. been like every sequel possible, uh, but if you have any other sequels, I I would say the the sequel I want is I actually want to see Luke and Biggs. Uh, wandering around Tatooine and their adventures as kids. Like, I think that would be a fun, a fun little side project of a movie. True. What about like Beggars Canyon? Yeah, seriously. Playing so, uh, so uh, one of the times. Yeah. So I gotta say, well, um, the the second time I went to see Top Gun Maverick, I was I was there with some uh with with some friends like i mentioned last time and we they're they're talking about the mission and they're they got to hit this this thing that's only like two or three meters wide in the bottom of this of this canyon and and one of the guys looks at me and goes that sounds familiar and i said i've i've shot womp rats that are no bigger than two or three meters back home and it's like (laughs) (laughs) bigger canyon sounds like a golf course it does sound like a golf course do anybody else have any other any other sequels or side projects that I want other know, than Adam's Adam's um, one he already shot. I want to know what happened to the R2 model that was defective that Uncle Owen didn't buy. Oh, <laughs> like that'd be a fun one. Up. Maybe like a brave little right. toaster type. Repair it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I won't say mine yet. I'll bring it up in a second. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. It goes into my Setting conspiracy the theories. Todd, did you have anything? No. No. Okay. Well, then let's get into it. Flaws, anything outdated or conspiracy theories? Adam, you've got some stuff, so talk about it. 
All right. So in 1997, they did the re-release, right? So when they were driving into Moss Eisley, they specifically something really popular came out on this system, Nintendo 64. Uh, it was a little game called Star Wars: Shadows of the Empire, right? So there was this little ship they had added in that was from this game called the Outrider, and it kind of fly, flies off into the galaxy. So the biggest conspiracy theory is that the best Star Wars character was actually in this movie, and his name is Dash Rindar from this great book called Star Wars Shadows of the Empire here, which also had a CD release of the, the score from this thing that played also in the game and also spawned kiss uh star wars characters so this is my favorite character his name is dash rendar i don't know if you can see it but really good but he's a, the only red-headed star wars character other than you know domino gleason's character and you know whatever that movies are but anyway uh but dash rendar would be the character i want to see in star wars but he has now been neglected as a uh, you know, legacy character, not an actual canon anymore. But th what this movie took place was between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, where they had to go and get Dash Rendar, who was also a worked with uh, as a stormtrooper at one point, or it was in the Empire at least. And then he became like kind of a, a bounty hunter, where they're trying to find Jabba the or find Han Solo and try to they then encountered like Boba Fett and this other criminal underworld too. So Darth Vader is involved in Darth Sidious, all that those fun characters. So that's the sequel I want to see, but also that he's actually in this movie. So yeah, that's really a lot of nerdiness for you, but that's, that's my uh, Dash Rendar has always been my favorite character in all, all of star Wars. And this is the moment everyone else fully realizes just how much more Adam loves star Wars than all of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I busted out i had to go in my box the boxes in the garage to get find this stuff but i, I i've heard it. all of this before <laughs> yeah I, I made i made i've made a video on shadows of the empire and why that needs to be the next star wars oh, project that's right i remember that. Here's the, the question that i have is did you and arlette have a uh like andy and Trish moment from 40 year old version where she encouraged you to sell your toys on ebay <laughs> no but that she's a problem in your relationship no 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 I, I they've been boxed up since we've been together so she hasn't seen them but uh no oh, she's medically <laughs> sealed yeah no that, <laughs> she uh she supports me but she's not a star wars fan she likes star wars attack of the clones is her favorite one so that's the the least the I, I just want to go in adam's room and be like is that the million dollar man's uncle <laughs> yeah steve austin <laughs> Is it, isn't that what Officer Slater's favorite Star Wars movie, Attack of the Clones? You know, he's like, he quotes that in Superbad, doesn't he? It's like, you know, from Attack of the Clones, like Yoda from Attack of the Clones. That was a really yeah, we... good Bill Hader impersonation of him impersonating Star Wars. <laughs> what a... Todd's best impression, Bill Hader impersonating Star Wars from Superbad. So that's like a Bill Hader impersonation. You know, he says, like, I'm going to do Alan Alda, you know, buying a lollipop at the carnival. Hey, how these lollipops taste so good. Can I have some? All right. He has the greatest Alan Alda impression, like, of all time. And, like, who even knew that that was a thing? Okay, we're way off track here. Anybody else have any flaws or uh, conspiracy theories? Anything I have like some that? stuff. I have Go one for more it, thing, too. Oh, go for it, Adam. Go for it, Adam. Yeah. Sorry, one more thing. Uh, so when they the scene where they find the Jawas, uh, lands the ship and everything, they're all die die. Yeah, Ben Kenobi clearly says these shots are too accurate for average uh, sand people. 
they've made by stormtroopers and then it's like every shot they've missed i I think that the biggest (laughs) joke is that a stormtrooper and a red shirt guy from star trek got in a a gun battle the stormtrooper missed every shot but this red shirt guy still died i think that's Uh, the biggest joke but anyway yeah nice they 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 should just like george lucas should have like taken out the jawa's ship and just made it look like swiss cheese of like holes everywhere it's like <laughs> shots this accurate accurate could have only come from a stormtrooper <laughs> if maybe if they had a be- better vision plan on the uh the, the insurance for the stormtroopers they probably would have got lasik and then the movie would have been over a lot faster probably yeah there we go there we go star wars episode 10 the age of lasik um <laughs> All rise right, of LASIK. The rise of LASIK. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I saw some small stuff. Like, I don't know why C- C-3PO has to turn himself off. Like, he, I mean, he's a robot, but he doesn't <laughs> plug himself in. So I'm not really sure what he's recharging because he just is standing there asleep. I also don't understand what the point is of that helmet that Luke uses when he's training uh, with the lightsaber because it's just that the thing is just like chilling in the Millennium Falcon. Like under what circumstances is that helmet coming to use for for Han Solo? Like it's just a helmet with a shield covering your eyes and where you can't see. I don't understand what. what <laughs> why was like that thing invented? Right, or something. <laughs> valid point. Valid point. Um. I also think, I mean, Zach kind of mentioned it earlier, but I mean, there's a lot of Peter Parker and Hot Aunt May and Uncle Ben in Luke and Aunt Peru and Uncle Owen, especially in how uh, he eventually like leaves. And um, and they're, uh, before they go off on their mission, Han Solo says to Chewie, like Chewie's like, Aah! and he's like, I know what I'm doing. Do, do you think Han actually knew that he was going to go rescue them at that moment? Because... <laughs> Why would he say I'm no? I know what I'm doing before before everybody else goes out, but him. I don't think that was just like I'm collecting my money, bitch, kind of like thing. I think it's like I think he might have been saying like I think I'm gonna go rescue them. Did we just have another Breaking Bad reference? <laughs> I feel like that was sort of. <laughs> so so Han Solo should have been played by Aaron Paul, and. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he did call Chewy bitch at some point. <laughs> On Jimmy Fallon, he did. But, but, but did uh did uh, was Han Solo obsessed with chili powder? That's really the question. Mm. Mm. All right. Anybody, Zach? Did you have any? Should have recast with Breaking Bad actors. <laughs> All go. of them, Great. not just Cranston as Darth Vader, which he kind of. Well, is I mean, but Giancarlo Esposito already is in. In the in everything because he's a uh, he's in the Mandalorian. Touche. Yeah. All right. Zach, do uh, you have anything? Uh, yeah, they were far less nerdy and way more stupid. Um, <laughs> I had a question. So the 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 Alderaan blowing up. That seems pretty simple. I mean that that is just like one shot. Bam! The whole thing explodes. That's a pretty powerful weapon right there. Like that wasn't Alderaan. That was the one that you asked. You asked the question about it. No, it was Alderaan. It was Alderaan. 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 Yeah. They said later on. You're uh, Alderaan, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) They went. They went to Dantooine, and Tarkin was like, "She lied. She lied to us." Right. But but after she said Dantooine, they blew up Alderaan. It just seemed like that was a very peaceful. Very easy way to blow up that planet, especially compared to the subsequent movies with, with the development of weaponry. Uh, poor Jimmy Smiths. Anyway, yeah. 
Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's also they're going through like the 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 rubble of that planet. It's like, but they go like light speed so many times. It's like, how do they not just like crash through that stuff? Like, even in Top Gun Maverick, it's like bird shot and then just like blows up their plane kind of thing. Like, this is why Last Jedi is so awesome when they're like, okay, what if you actually do collide with something at light speed? Because uh, these movies still like they don't understand that. <clears throat> but okay, keep going, yeah, Zach. Sorry. Too many nerdy practical questions. Um, <laughs> Moisture farming. Why does this require droids? I, I, I don't know. Adam, can you tell? Can you answer that question? Why do they need droids to to manufacture water droplets? Especially a battle droid. I mean, yeah, I, that's what I, one thing droid. I was starting to wonder. It's like, why did? Well, I mean, C three PO is an interpreter. That makes sense. But he's a why did they need R two? I mean, R two D two is a battle droid. Why was he needed for a farmer? He's an ass. Doesn't he doesn't he shoot water? Okay, fine. Whatever whatever his official title is, Mr. Nerd freaking out at me calling him a battle droid. Uh why would a, a droid built to to help in space be needed for yeah, for a farming? That that's yeah, what that's I want. True. Yeah. Uh uh there was some there was a Casablanca connection. I thought Han was a lot like Rick. And uh, Luke was a lot like Ilsa because he calls her kid, and Leia is a lot like Laszlo. Um, and there's a, there's a there's a little bit of Wizard of Oz in this movie when they go to the Death Star and they're dressed as the stormtroopers, and Chewie gives off a little bit of the Cowardly Lion vibe. Uh, maybe yeah. I just drank too much. I don't know. Uh, oh, no, they, they, they've they've actually said that that Wizard of Oz is a big influence on this movie. Well, there we go. So it's not a conspiracy. It's a true conspiracy theory for once. Kaching. Yeah, like like Leia. Like Leia is Leia is Dorothy, and and Luke Han and Chewie are the Scarecrow, Tin Man, and Cowardly Lion. Well, Tatooine definitely is like Kansas because it's like 120 degrees right now. Uh, <laughs> goofy it's, transitions. It's like, it is 62 degrees oh, and cloudy yeah. here. Oh, by nice. The way. Yeah, yeah, goofy transitions. Goofy transitions. What I wrote down is it's like a freshman using iMovie for the first time. <laughs> Oscar winning editing. Per personal experience. <laughs> um, Han, I couldn't give I couldn't give Harrison Ford uh, the war or a good performance because he he talks his dial his dialect is very weird. Half the time it's like a Chicago accent, and the other half the time it's like strange folkiness. Like you don't think they're going to give you no arms with that. Uh, you know, with that droid, like he he does the double negative thing, but it feels like kind of like put on. I don't know. It's it's weird. Well, that's and, okay because no reward is worth this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> double negative. Uh, then the last thing I said was this goes back to my favorite scene, the cantina scene, which I now cannot watch the cantina scene without thinking of Eyes Wide Shut. And I think that's that actually helps both Eyes Wide Shut and this movie because it's basically the same scene in a lot of ways and um i think the stick man probably should be from the cantina scene so it, it would make sense that it would be the one-armed man that's why i was connecting with uh, what adam was trying to say there but nice 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 yeah I, I don't know i got nothing okay so uh so my question is uh kind of related to what i was saying before um the the droid that doesn't work out um what what's a motivator? I mean, because because Luke Luke says this droid has a bad motivator look, and and it's like it, it, he looks like R two did when he in Return of the Jedi when he shoots the lightsaber out of his head, and Luke catches it on the other ship. Like that's what it looks like. But apparently that means he has a bad motivator. 
I, I feel like they just made up a word to say that he was broken. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah. There, there, there's that. Um, the, the one question I was hoping you would ask is who owned the droids before? Because the answer was Captain Antilles, which was Jimmy Smith's in the prequels. Yeah. Um, who was who was uh, who was Leia's husband? What? I was right. hoping he was going to ask what they were looking for, and that was droids who understand the binary nature of mo- moisture vapor vaporators. Mo- moisture evaporators, yeah. Evaporators, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which he didn't uh, ask, yeah. of course. He, he didn't ask everything that I thought he was going to ask, he didn't ask. He asked like random dialogue related questions. Yeah. Um, and then, so the, the question I think is really fascinating is um, Jedis are either killed or they disappear. And, and it's like, like, like Yoda disappears because he he dies naturally. Qui-Gon is killed and they burn him. Obi-Wan disappears. Does Darth Vader actually hit Obi-Wan? Or does he die before he he's hit? Or is the fact that he is that he is giving himself up mean that he is he is dying of his own volition? And that's why he disappears and why he's not killed and his body is left. This, this is a, I always thought this was a fascinating, uh, a fascinating thing that as you watch more of the movies, that, that becomes a thing. And this is totally nerding out Zach. So you just can tune out or whatever. No, I, 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 I'm asleep. Yeah. Adam, I'm sure you have an answer to this. It's, it's like the or, hologram or is, thing in last Jedi. Right, right. Well, and Luke, Luke, when he is done with that disappears, Right. Because Mm. because his work is done. He is he's completed his mission. He's done as a Jedi. He disappears. So is is that moment a moment of of I'm giving myself up so I disappear? What Adam, what do you think? So I I won't pretend to know everything from like all the new canon and stuff when since Disney has bought them. But I know from Revenge of the Sith, there is a line of dialogue saying that uh, Qui-Gon Jinn is mentioned again about being like becoming one and there's even a deleted scene where Qui-Gon Jinn does make an appearance again where you become more one with the force and that's where you can become your blue transparency ghost self as well once you can mm-hmm. force project that way and so the dis- 30 years if you're Anakin. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so so um that had would probably be becoming one with the force is where you can would you would disappear where Qui-Gon wasn't there yet, but I guess his being still lived on. So I'm not sure the whole everything about that, but that is where I would say they become more one with the force where he becomes yeah. you strike him down and becomes more powerful than he is now. That's kind of like what, what he was saying. See, I always ones. looked at it as like Jedi's who died like naturally or died like on their terms disappeared or those that were killed prematurely they were the ones that where their bodies were left and they burned them like like qui-gon like when when vader ends up dying mm-hmm. um i don't know I, I just thought that was an interesting point interesting question okay like let's it. wrap this thing up lvp mvp we are going to let's see here i think it's me is it me i was last there no it's todd todd you're, you're first lvp mvp uh LVP, I'm gonna go with TK421 because I mean 
I mean, along with all the stormtroopers, really, like they're as bad as the henchmen who get steamrolled in Austin Powers. Like, I mean, they're just they're just not great. Uh, and the MVP, I'm gonna go with Ben Burt, who is the sound effects special Oscar winner because uh. he it says that he created the sounds for the aliens, the robots, and the creatures' voices. And if he was alone in in uh, coming up with those, I mean, that is pretty incredible. And some of the best stuff that Star Wars has is like those things. So. Ben Bird is also the voice of Wally. Did not know that, so yeah. I guess that makes sense then. Yeah, he, he's he he's he's a legend. Good call, good call on that. All right, Zach, LVP MVP. All right, for LVP, I, I got two LVPs. Uh, <clears throat> one of them is John Simon, who uh, was this asshole film critic in the early '80s who hated Star Wars. And there's a great YouTube clip of Siskel and Ebert defending star wars versus john simon and whenever i feel like i'm being overly cynical about how my, my, i hate you know derivative cash grab sequels and george lucas is a money-grabbing whore like uncle edward's wife in the departed i just remember that clip where john simon comes off even worse than any of those people he says that kids shouldn't be watching star wars they should be reading great literature like huckleberry finn and seeing meaningful human movies like tender mercies I kid you not. Go watch this clip. It's uh, it's pretty phenomenal. He was a horrible critic. Uh, and then the other LVP I have is uh, Phil Mickelson, who's clearly the Darth Vader of the golf world at this point. Some un, uh, some eerie parallels between the live tour and the Star Wars universe. I, I'd I'd like to uh, to add. Um, I have a couple of MVPs as well. One MVP is Greedo because for a guy, for a character who's in the scene for what maybe 45 seconds man has that character had a lot of traction and where are his defenders coming from i mean he's on screen for 45 seconds and yet there's a horde of people that 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 believe that han shot first and therefore maybe he's justified i i, I don't know and then uh, the other mvp i have is minions because i forgot to mention in my buzz lightyear review the minions trailer made me laugh so hard uh in their top gun maverick inspired plane uh, ride uh that uh it ruined lightyear for me because i didn't have any any fun <laughs> no fun nearly as much fun as i had watching that minions trailer and their commercials throughout the nba finals you couldn't imagine ever topping that no i could not peanut 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 banana yeah <laughs> i think we should review minions what do you guys think i'm actually down for that shit i i'm, I'm i think sure it looks hilarious are. I mean, sure, we'll see what else is out that week, but yeah, probably. Okay, LVP MVP for me. Uh, my LVP is C3PO because he's the worst. He's kind of the worst. Yeah, he he. You, it, it's like the ultimate example of you've got one job, and uh, and he can't. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he can't do his job. Uh, and my MVP is Obi-Wan because, I mean, Obi-Wan pulls the ultimate move of I'm going to purposefully die so I can always be in Luke's head and tell him what to do and guide him through destroying the, the Death Star. So Obi-Wan's the MVP. Uh, that That's that's that right there. Okay. Uh, quote of the day. Oh, wait. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. Adam. Cool. Yeah. You, forgot, you, forgot about I forgot, I forgot about Adam. Go for it. LVP, MVP. Yeah. All right, uh, my MVP is child childhood memories. Hold on a second, my I childhood, okay, childhood memories of uh, this all the um, the the franchise and everything growing up, all those uh, fun toys and actions. Obviously, nerding out about Star Wars, but my LVP is the toxic fandom currently that's going on. 
if you have an, any form of opinion that is uh contrarian to anybody else that uh, you're immediately like just turned upon if you didn't like the last jedi you're the absolute worst you don't understand star wars which i've kind of turned on that movie a little bit more i've kind of i need i need to rewatch that one again uh but anyway but like even think with, from the shows too i think mandalorian is like the best thing start disney has done with star wars but it's still uh yeah very toxic environment in the star wars community if you don't like certain things so that's where i'm gonna go I mean, to the point that after the first episode of Obi-Wan came out, like Ewan McGregor had to come out and defend, defend the show and like a casting decision because everyone was freaking out over something. So, yeah, that's a good call. People just need to calm down. It's entertainment. Be yeah, entertained be and leave it alone. <laughs> exactly. Jar don't Jar don't give people death threats. Jar Jar Banks. I mean, he's an LVP. He he is he is underrated. That's what I have to say. <laughs> wow! No, have a puma. He's a gun, Bob. Bad. I am I am bizarrely entertained by Doctor Banks. I'll just leave it at that. Okay, quote of the daytime, and we're starting with Zach. All right. So uh, this week was the January sixth hearings, and uh, a lot of Republican Trump supporters are tr- said, "Oh, they wanted to get pardons from Trump." And uh, Mark Hamill came out on Twitter and said, I've decided this should be on the pardon list if this is still in the works. And it was a poster of the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> Mark, Mark Hamill. Hamill is a great follow on Twitter. Great. He really is. One of, the, one, of the be- one of the 10 best celebrities on social media. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, my quote is from Star Wars, and I feel like it, it, uh, it really uh, describes this podcast well. It's, it's Obi-Wan. When they're about to uh, be taken in, the Millennium Falcon is about to be taken into the Death Star, and he says, "Who's more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him?" So, <laughs> mm. I one. think that describes this podcast well. All right, Adam. All right, so mine's like kind of a paraphrase of what Han Solo was saying to Luke during that gunfight right before they go into the uh, the trash compactor. Instead of saying "wonderful girl." that whole the whole little thing about leia but it's like wonderful podcast either i want to turn it off or i'm beginning to like it so oh there we go <laughs> i like it there. i like it todd wrap us up okay mine also comes from Hansel. he's talking about the millennium falcon he says it may look like junk but it's got it where it counts and that's the only <laughs> yes. cyrus podcast yeah <laughs> And there we go. And with that, we draw this podcast to a close. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, review wherever you find your podcasts. We're all over the place. Uh, and make sure you listen in next week when we will have another episode. Until then, have fun watching movies, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together. <laughs>